Can you remember a time when you thought someone you disagreed with might actually be right? In the new podcast, You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen pose that question to guests like Paul Ryan, Al Gore, and Judy Woodruff. Come for the stories, stay for the substance and expert insights into some of the most challenging issues facing the country, including affordable housing, crime, and education. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available wherever you get your podcasts. In a fast-paced world, every day brings new challenges and new opportunities. At Strayer University, we know a thing or two about getting and staying ahead of change. For over 130 years, we've been providing students like you with innovative tools and customized support. So you can find your way forward and always keep striving. Visit strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV and has many campuses, including at 2121 15th Street North in Arlington, Virginia. Let the word go forth. Fool me once. Are you fired up? I'm not a crook. Are you ready to go? Shame on, shame on you. It's Abe Lincoln's Top Hat, hosted by Ben Kissel. Boom, you can't get fooled again. Hey, what's up, everyone? How you doing? Ben Kissel here, hanging out with Travis. We have a bunch of stuff to talk about today. Hope you're all doing all right. We are on the eve of January 20th, which, of course, is the day that Joe Biden will be inaugurated as the next president of these fine United States. Will it be peaceful? Will it be riotous? We're going to talk about it today. We have a jam-packed episode. We interview Travis View. He is the host of a podcast called QAnon Anonymous. Really interesting conversation all about Q, where it came from, where it's going, and what it's up to now. So we're going to talk with Travis View. We're also going to speak with Jason Selvig and Devram Stiefler. They are the good liars, and they were at the Capitol. They were there for the siege. They did not commit any felonies. They were just watching I wish we knew one of the people that committed a felony so we could have them on the show. But unfortunately, Baked Alaska isn't returning our calls. He is one of the most recent YouTube celebrities to be arrested by the FBI because, believe it or not, the FBI doesn't care about how many likes or how many follows or how many subscriptions you have when you commit a federal crime. They will arrest yeah. you indeed all of so them we're are gonna, gonna talk have to about do, that all of them are gonna have to do the alex jones like i'm a performance artist and like i ate too much chili and forgot my children's names well, they're all gonna have to do that routine but it doesn't matter at this point you did you stormed the Capitol. that that does happen and of course maybe chili was the food that inspired or energized or fueled the insurrection of course chili a controversial food to say the least does it stand alone as a dinner, or is it an accoutrement, as they see it in Cincinnati? As long as you got a sp- uh, you know piece of cornbread off to the side, it's a full meal. I'm that. with you on that. And I'm, I'm gonna you can check that on Snopes. I <laughs> that's the most Georgia thing you've ever said, <laughs> Travis, and I agree with you. So stay tuned for those interviews. Fantastic conversations all around. I don't know what I've done to be hashtag blessed. I'm saying that again to be surrounded by such smart, intelligent, wonderful people who go out and uh, try to make the world a better place, or at the very least, try to understand what the hell is wrong with our current society. Speaking of hashtag blessed, I do want to play this 
audio. Okay. Should we do this right now? Is, sure, if you want, if you I, would like to. I, I, wanna, I, yeah. I was reading uh, Bloomberg Bloomberg News. Oh! Uh, in, about not just of, Michael Bloomberg's not, love letters to you? <laughs> no, not his, not his uh, <laughs> Substack blog. Dear uh, Travis, when I look at you, I see a billion dollar stack that I just want to. I would, you can have insert I, your sex I joke there. I would be a rent boy for Michael Bloomberg. <laughs> I, you think that I have any sort of uh, objections to that at all? No. Absolutely not, nor should you. Make your money, but, my uh, friend. I, there was a there was a, a little profile of about a guy who was one of the Capitol rioters, um, and his a name profile in courage. Yes, yeah, so basically a profile in courage, uh, a Mister Fellows. And okay. uh, so I went on TikTok to see if he had a TikTok account. Natural. I'm so happy that you're doing all the TikTok research, so we don't have to. I and he did. He had a TikTok. <laughs> of course, and he his did. TikTok starts. Like the first video on it is him storming the Capitol. Like okay. new new account in the first video you post, absolute banger right out of the gate. He's got a, he's got a shaky like uh, uh, erratic camera style. He's Great. like he's documenting the the actual siege. Well, he, don't don't bury the lead with pictures of your cat or your dog or your family or your parents. Uh, or your grandparents, I suppose all of those people are said family. Don't bury the lead. Jump right, right into insurrection. Exactly. Come on. It's very funny because he's like, he clearly has no idea what's going on. He's just wandering around the rotunda, like pointing his camera at a statue of George Washington as cops are like fighting rioters in the background. But he. Well, it, don't make fun of him for that. I do that exact same thing every time I go to Washington, D.C., pop 15 milligrams for. Uh, Full of edibles. My head is a fish tank and my brain is just about as smart as said fish. I have had conversations with Abraham Lincoln. I was and about- you, you know what he told me? <laughs> he said, when you're grappling the boys, you want to make sure to go in fast with your single leg. Get them down and keep them down. Because, of course, Abraham Lincoln was a fantastic amateur wrestler. I didn't get to anything about the Constitution when I spoke with him. No, but I, I did see that picture of you um, uh, uh, trying to fight the Abraham Lincoln statue. Yes, indeed. <laughs> but uh, so Mr. Fellows, uh, he wa- he eventually did turn himself in. Okay. Uh, under <laughs> under much uh, duress, I imagine. He's been people just like basically making fun of him after that profile and, and calling him <laughs> out and, and tagging the FBI. Because you're a freaking moron. If you're gonna see, if you're going to try to siege uh, the Capitol, don't put it on social media. But we are, we all already know that. Uh, but so here, I, he's just like making the case for himself and how he's totally chill with going to jail because he uh, he stormed the Capitol. All right, let's hear it. Well, on my way to turn myself in. Way too happy. Decent hour drive, a couple hour drive in, but uh, yeah, man. Here we go. Oh, now, this man has no idea the, what's in uh, store for him. Turn themselves into the British when they uh, did what they did. No, but uh, am I gonna? Yeah. And why is that? Um, because I want to. You know, you guys want to pay for my meals? That's cool, man. Oh, buddy, your blue um, eyes are not gonna go oh, well in prison. Crazy. You're a lunatic. You're a terrorist. You're fucking. You. Your Trump is your daddy. Like, no, man. That's what America's all about, baby. It's freedom. The ability to go in and have some fun overthrowing an overreaching government. Like I said, I'm going to go turn myself in. And you're stupid enough to say, I'm reporting you to the FBI. Go fuck yourself. Also, as I've mentioned, Trump is not my president. Oh, sorry. Trump is my president. Wait, what? Um, But he's not like my dad or anything. He's not like my, as you guys call him. He's he's reacting to people saying Trump is his daddy. I'm here for the Constitution. It's a beautiful, beautiful piece of art. 
Um, here's where it gets interesting. Probably my favorite piece of art that's ever been written. Oh, I love it. If I could, I'd marry that doctor. That's what I would do. She would be my wife, and man, oh man, I would make her so damn happy. Let me tell you what. Go to bed not every night. So, so happy. he wants to have sex with the Constitution. My wife, the Declaration of Independence. Got my last meal here. That isn't from jail. Mm. Got some steak, got some chicken. Wow, this man has no mm. clue what he's about to face. <laughs> I know. So good, man. I'm not ready for ramen, to be honest. I don't like ramen. So he's eating, okay, he's hold eating on a like second. a steak at a pilot truck stop and, and, and calling it his final supper. Brandon Fellows, evidently he has never watched Lock Up, Lock Up Raw, Lock Up Abroad. The, the thousands of hours of content of what happens within prison walls, the fact that he is smiling, going to turn himself in to federal prison on charges of insurrection... I wish I had that level of ignorance. I like I wake up every morning dreading just not being in jail. Like I yeah. every morning I wake up I'm like let's do it. All right, you have you have your rockstar energy drink yeah. and that's just to go to work. Yeah. That man I've never seen someone so happy to go be well, incarcerated and have a series of things happen to him that we don't even know how to describe on this show. He has I will say, beautiful blue eyes, <laughs> which are probably going to be crusted over at some point, not to make fun of what happens in prison, because prison rape is very serious, and I really don't like that people make jokes about it. It is something that has to be stopped, and we need to treat our prisoners with more respect and more dignity. At the end of the day, however, that's not happening right now. This man is about to experience living hell, and I cannot imagine how he is so happy no did he not have a friend that told him also he is driving himself did he not have a friend to drive him did he not have a friend to tell him like bro you're gonna want to like not smile when you go in because if you do that your teeth are going to be knocked out fairly quickly and not with a fist it's it's a very strange it's, it's a strange it reaction to this because he, there's a, yes yeah. there's like a an, in, an intense cognitive dissonance Turning myself into the FBI, you're not going to know his arc. Wonderful water his, park in in Wisconsin. He sounds like he's going to see a Kiss cover band. His clip of him in the Capitol is like it's like a 13 year old girl posted it because it's just full of hashtags, a lot of emojis. He's like, it's hashtag pursuit of happiness, hashtag liberty. What ha is uh, happening? And then he's got like happy faces, like <laughs> on the actual like it's a Snapchat that he then put on TikTok. Uh, but, oh, I'm so oh, yeah, okay. He's which plat make, which kind of platform actually hop, it, platform hopping. It actually kind of sinks it down even a level further <laughs> if it's a Snapchat as opposed to a TikTok. In my head, anyway. But it, it is weird because in the video, he all this like weird carnage is happening around him, and he doesn't really seem to understand that he's a part of a like a felony, many felonies happening all at once. You know, birds of a feather flock together. And it, if you are standing in yeah. a room and around and what's happening all around you is a bunch of violent acts, if you're surrounded by people that say Auschwitz, six million isn't enough, and you're looking at that guy like, what a tune, you're there. People just see you in the same way that you just saw him. It reminds me when I realize I have to stop going to the bar. When you sit down at the bar and you're like, these people are here every day. And then you have to think. Oh, I only know that because I'm here every day. Yeah. You need to hold a mirror up to yourself and recognize you might just be 
the problem. This, so this guy. This reminds me, like, uh, back in my teenage years, I used to play a lot of Pokemon. And, uh-huh. uh, and by teenage years, you mean last week. Yes. I know what you're up to. But uh, I would. I remember going to, like, a Barnes & Noble Pokemon card tournament game. I don't even want to hear too much more about no, this. No, but you, you know, the, like, when you'd walk into a Barnes & Nobles and see, like, a, or, like, some kind of. Do I know? Book, you, like, a bookstore. Yeah. Uh, is that is that a forbidden zone for you, the bookstore? I like bookstores, actually. But, so you'd go into a bookstore and you'd see like a bunch of you know weird gangly teens in a corner playing uh, Pokemon because it would be sanctioned by the bookstore for some reason. But I remember going to my... <laughs> you are trying to normalize something I, that I don't know, but yes. I went to one for the first time <laughs> hoping to become a part of that community. But as soon Aww. as I walked in and saw the actual people playing the game... They don't even give them a table. They like oh. let, make them sit on the floor of this Barnes and Noble. I don't. I mean, That's so sad. But as soon as I saw them hunched over playing the game yeah. in the corner, I realized that. I don't want to be a part of this group. And that's, I feel like that's, that's that should have been the reaction when they saw all these guys together, these internet, these anime Nazi internet people. Right. Uh, once they were all huddled together in the, the rotunda and you saw the Camp Auschwitz shirt, you should have said, maybe I don't want to be here. Slowly back out. Slowly back Slowly away. Slowly back out. Put fi- your arms up and say, it's not, I'm not, I'm here to make sure they don't cause any violence. And find something a little bit more dignified, maybe a Yu-Gi-Oh tournament. You know, that, of course. something a little bit more, something with more class to it. Well, I have a lot of friends who play a lot of different card tournaments, and I always say, Go, you go get them with those cards. Right. But in the he, in the video, him. he also says, uh, you know, it's in the Constitution to have fun. <laughs> oh, I, I remember he that. He says the, it's in the Constitution. It's the 69th Amendment. To have fun. I remember that, where it's all 69, and, and then, of course, Amendment 420, nothing but good times. And if, a funny thing that these guys do also is they constantly mix up the Bill of Rights, the Constitution, and, and the, Dec- the Declaration of Independence. Yeah. So he starts off by saying that he would... He loves the Constitution and considers right. it a piece but, of the the world's greatest piece of art. And then he says he's going to fuck the Declaration of Independence. All right. Which is basically the plot of National Treasure, I suppose. <laughs> but, <laughs> all right. So we're going to talk more about what's going on as the fallout continues surrounding who was at the Capitol. The FBI has enough evidence for a lifetime. Uh, when it comes to finding these people, because these people, again, not the smartest insurrectionists, not exactly going by the way of the samurai, which I learned from Ghost of Tsushima, they were much more public than that. And uh, this would have been one of those times where they easily could have just worn a mask because of COVID, and then it would have had the double feature of having you not get arrested. But of course, ignorance in this case is not bliss. Ignorance in this case is leading to multiple arrests. So before we talk more about what's going on with Q, again, with Travis View and uh, Jason Selvig and DeVram uh, Stiefler, I do want to bring up one thing that I haven't heard anyone talking about. And I think it's really interesting because we don't talk enough about tribal governments in this country. Obviously, the tribal governments have been steamrolled left, right, up, down, this way, and every other other way possible. We gave them casinos and they can make some money on that. But when it comes to healthcare, when it comes to alcoholism, when it comes to drug abuse, when it comes to education, when it comes to environmental protections, as we saw with the uh, Keystone pipeline, not necessarily against a gas pipeline. I'm against where they put said pipeline on sacred land. And as I've said before, if you want pipelines, they should be in your backyard, the backyards of people in the suburbs. I would be fine with it if 
I, I, I drive a Chevy Silverado. I would be hypocritical to say, I don't want the gas pipeline in my backyard. No, I mean, hey, that's a side effect of the culture uh, that I am complicit in supporting. So when it comes to tribal governments, COVID relief funds, them getting stiffed on those was nothing new. So the Supreme Court is actually going to hear a case against Secretary Mnuchin. Anytime someone's name starts with two consonants, it's not good. And of course, that is Secretary Mnuchin, which sounds like a disease that you have to go to the doctor for. It sounds like a disease that might be growing between your feet and you might need to get an ointment or a cream to cure said disease. Doctor, I've got a case of the Mnuchin. And they're like, have you been playing too much tennis on clay? Because it seems like that could spread easily when doing such a unbelievable difficult thing as playing tennis on a loose goosey ground so Mnuchin there's a case against him the Supreme Court is going to hear it when it comes to his failure to give COVID relief funds uh, to tribal governments instead of giving them to tribal governments they gave them to large corporations Uh, this was the CARES Act the Coronavirus Aid Relief and Economic Securities Act the lawsuit is named Mnuchin versus the Confederated Tribes of Chahalas Reservation and Alaska Native Village Corporation Association v. Confederated Tribes of the Chahalas Reservation. So the aid was to be given to tribal governments. However, I know this is going to be shocking. It was not. Instead, large corporations sucked up all the funds and the tribal governments got none. This is according to Chuck Hoskins. He is the Cherokee Nation principal chief. This is what he had to say. He says Congress intended for tribal governments, not Alaska corporate interests, to share in CARES Act funds for Indian country. Too much is at stake on the COVID response and recovery efforts in Indian country, and contrary to congressional intent, if funds are siphoned away. We look forward to the U.S. Supreme Court upholding the appeals court's rejection of Alaska Native Corporation's eligibility of CARES Act funds so that these much-needed dollars will finally be distributed to tribal governments who are the rightful recipients and will help their citizens rebuild from what is the worst public health crisis in generations. So the Supreme Court is going to be taking up this case. I'm not exactly sure when they will be taking up this case, but hopefully they err on the side of the tribal governments because God knows the amount of corporate fraud, the corporate theft that occurred within the CARES Act is so disgusting. Of course, we applauded a few of the corporations who got millions of dollars who then gave it back. And good for them for giving it back. But you can imagine how many did not give it back. Uh, and I, how did they even get it in I, the first place? I don't even applaud. I suffering. don't even applaud the people that gave it back. Well, we have they got they got called out. Well, <laughs> they had to give all it right. back. I don't, all, right. all these corporations are fucking miserable. Well, but it is unbelievable that the eight yeah. billion dollars that were at, that was allocated to help people who are suffering immensely with this COVID pandemic, hasn't gone to anyone in need. And I really hope the Supreme Court uh, can fix this problem and help out a group of people that are beyond marginalized, a group of people that have been massacred, and a group of people who have never really seen justice for what occurred to them and their people and their culture. And I really hope the Supreme Court sides 
with the right side in this case, which is the tribal nations, as these massive, massive, massive corporations I don't, I don't try to this pilfer is, um, their funds. This isn't Steve Mnuchin's worst crime, actually. What was his worst crime? Well, he was actually the executive producer of the movie Collateral. <laughs> he was the executive producer of the movie Collateral Beauty. What? Are you serious? Yes. How come? So Steve Bannon was an executive producer of shit All movies. All of these guys are and now like. This guy's an executive producer of a crap film. It's so clear to me now. Like the two. <laughs> The two halls of power are media and politics. And like this is a guy that straddles the line um, of both. I worlds. don't want to ever hear him straddling <laughs> yeah, anything, please. Yeah, God. I just heard his pants rip as he straddled the line there. <laughs> uh, but he also he was the executive producer of the Lego Batman movie. Well, that was actually a really that good movie. That was actually movie. quite good. Uh, the movie he executively produced that? Yes, he executive produced The Accountant. With um, Ben Affleck, I remember that uh, I didn't see it. I don't. I don't want to see Ben Affleck crunching numbers, even if he just kills a bunch of people. Honestly, afterwards. that's what I was thinking when you guys were recording the John List episode of last podcast. I was like, oh, the accountant. This is a, a psychopath who uh, is also a numbers guy. Okay. <laughs> By uh, the way, John List, you can only imagine what he would be doing right now if he were alive. <laughs> Uh, he would probably be front line and center, and even loosening up a little bit enough to wear a. Uh, a buffalo hide on top of his head, perhaps, and storm the Capitol. All right. So that is just one story I wanted to bring to your attention. And we're going to follow that SCOTUS case. And I love I love the acronym SCOTUS. You do. Doesn't it sound like something growing on your testicles? And indeed, uh, much like a growth, the Supreme Court has a lot of power and over us. Much like that, they're probably also going to die of cancer. Yeah, it's possible. All right, so we'll keep you up to date on that, and hopefully the uh, the tribes are able to win uh, there in Alaska. And also, hopefully, this opens up the door for more lawsuits when it comes to people not getting the funds that uh, should have been allocated to them. Not to be Mr. Cliche, Mr. Like Bulletin Board, but... That's our money. Like, that's the shitty thing about all of this. Uh, not to continue to curse, but that's the thing about all of this. We pay, we pay taxes, and then we give the government their money, and then they're supposed to allocate it equally and fairly, and we're supposed to live in this wonderful uh, utopian society. But unfortunately, the powers that be grab all of the money before we can even look at it, and that is why they have all of the money as we open up our checkbooks and see negative balances because they want us to be in debt. That is the American dream. Well, and, and speaking of the CARES Act, the uh, Biden, the incoming Biden administration oh. uh, unveiled the the new stimulus plan. Yes. The so American this, Rescue Plan is what it's called. You know what? The American I don't Rescue give plan. a crap about the They work too hard on the names. Just sign them you, sign the damn thing that says you give us two thousand dollars. Not me. I don't need two thousand dollars. Travis, you might. People, <laughs> ouch. <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just saying for me, I don't need it and I don't want it. Um, but people need it. So just give the freaking people two thousand dollars and stop with the fun names. I don't care what it's called. You say that, but I can take you back in time and and show you what not what a not creative. Uh, stimulus plan name is? All right, what's a not creative stimulus plan? Because someone needs to be fired. The most not creative stimulus plan is the stimulus plan we've currently had, which doesn't exist, and nothing is more not creative you really than li- non-existence. You want to live in 
Pleasantville. It's black and white. And I we, don't and we want have, to live in Pleasant. We, I don't like Pleasantville. I'm a have, shade of. I'm a, I'm a weird shade of purple. And we have we have stimulus plans called like the American Recovery and Reinvestment Act. Yeah. Come on, man. That's fun. No, they do. But these names. Never thought about it, but they do have to like contend with. Um, they have know, to be a hashtag. Republican plans that are called like. Uh, the spirit of the American eagle inside of your beating heart or some like act of 2020. Well, nonetheless, speaking of which, let's talk about that for one second. The Biden administration has said $2,000 and uh, Raphael Warnock, uh, Travis told me, had an actual, well, he actually held up a check on his. And of course, I'm very happy he beat Loeffler. God knows that woman is uh, truly the antithesis of political corruption. Uh, but apparently on his Twitter, he held up a check that said two thousand dollars, and well, it's like if you vote for me, you get two grand. They, but is that happening? They so the Democrats pushed this singular line uh, in advance of the Georgia runoff election, which yes. was basically if you vote these guys into the Senate, if you vote Warnock and Loeffler into the Senate, we will give you a $2,000 check. It was very clearly in that language. Yes. And it was just very simple. And I think it did a very big, it, it did a, it did a lot of heavy lifting when it came to getting people to come out to vote. Sure. Uh, now, and, and as you said, like the, the Warnock Twitter account, it showed a literal picture of a check <laughs> from the U S government that said $2,000 to you, the voter, <laughs> like $2,000 and now I'll after after they win Warnock and Lafarov they won in that in a, Warnock a crazy and upset really yeah. Warnock and Warnock Ossoff. and Ossoff not uh, Warnock and Loeffler. Uh but uh now that that has come to pass uh -huh. the $2,000 check is now $1,400 okay well so, and, you know what and then they it's go back still, and, and they, it's still over double the well, 600 then they, they wheel out the the whiteboard and they're like See, six hundred plus fourteen hundred actually equals two thousand dollars. So what when when oh, we with said the previous six hundred when we said that amount, we actually meant a little bit of math here. We're gonna have to call Andrew Yang in for this one. Oh, Yang Yang. Uh, but so they they're they're just it's just so all right, ladies and gentlemen, the Democrats. It ladies feels, and gentlemen, wow, you're going ladies and gentlemen <laughs> the, with it. It's a very the producers type goof uh, well, on us. And again, I'm I'm gonna bright side this at the very least fourteen hundred. It's better than the 400 yeah. that was being proposed or the 600 that was being well, proposed. It wasn't so that we'll long take ago it. that it wasn't long ago that uh, Kamala Harris was saying $2,000 a month. Like how, how it's far, easy to say how stuff. quickly can you just abandon <laughs> these no. things that are, mean so much to so many people? I will say if they can get everyone $1,400 that needs it, that is a step but, in the right direction. As I was saying at the beginning, the the new stimulus plan, the American Rescue Act, will be uh, $1.9 trillion. So okay. that'll be I mean, it's something. It's good. And uh, Biden has already and we're going to continue to talk about what's going on with the Biden administration as it becomes solidified. Again, he has not yet been sworn in. That'll be happening on Wednesday. I'm sure everyone has January 20th circled on their calendar, along with a fantastic bottle of fine, fine whiskey uh, that they will be consuming throughout that day. Because who the hell knows what's going to happen? Trump will be giving his own pep rally. Uh, but instead of going out and playing the big football game, uh, their version is involving potential civil war well, he's, or at he, the very least a cosplay watered down version of it. He is flying Air Force One to Mar-a-Lago on the 20th, an hour before he loses access to Air Force One. He's going to take the biggest <laughs> dump on that plane. All right. Well, speaking of huge dumps, I want to talk just before we get to the interviews here. 
We have talked about what happened in Flint, the water crisis, switching the water over to the Flint River, an obviously polluted water source. That water was extremely corrosive. It destroyed all of the uh, pipes. It destroyed everything. It poisoned an entire generation of people in Michigan. And when it comes to lead poisoning, we've talked about this before, it's generational. If your grandmother had lead poisoning, they see the same lead poisoning in their grandchildren. So you can imagine how devastating uh, this crisis has been to the people of Michigan, specifically Flint. And you can imagine that they want some justice. So former Michigan Governor Rick Snyder, he was arraigned on charges regarding his decision to change the water source from clean water to dirty water. In my opinion, this man should be incarcerated. This is a complete and utter uh, betrayal of his oath as governor. He did this for corporate reasons. There were numerous studies done that were like, this probably isn't the best idea. They did not tell the people of Flint. One day they're turning on their water and it's clean and you can drink it. The next day you can light it on fire and you're forced to boil it uh, just to have it be usable for cooking. I mean, you can't imagine when it comes to our country, the wealthiest country on earth, and Flint is just the one that's famous for this. There are countless places all around this country that have poisoned water. We cannot live in a society or allow ourselves to live in a society where some people don't have access to freaking tap water. Are you insane? I mean, it also leads to what we're seeing now with Nestle, these huge corporations. Tank Girl isn't just a fantastic movie starring Ice-T. It is now starring Ice-T. Well, I, I forget. What's the name of the girl? She's so freaking awesome in Tank Girl. I can't, I think, uh, it's not Gwen Stefani. <laughs> no, it's not Gwen Stefani. I forget her name, but she's fantastic. But Tank Girl is no longer just a fantasy. The water wars are real, and they're taking place in places like Flint, where you have to buy bottled water because the tap water will kill your entire family. Lori Petty. Lori Petty. Lori she Petty. was fantastic. Thank you for that. So Governor Rick Snyder, he has been arraigned. So in my head, I'm like, oh, this is great. There might actually yeah. be justice. You sent, me then, this you sent me a text and I was like, oh, cool. This looks yeah, this like- is, This, this is, is like, awesome. And, nice. then, um, and then I read more and then it turns out he's been arraigned on a misdemeanor charges, which is uh, not just a great rapper in Missy Elliott, but also something that you can get if you park in the wrong parking spot at a Shoney's for too long, or if you poison an entire community of people that you are supposed to be protecting and governing- he has a misdemeanor uh, citation for doing this. So basically, unlawful poisoning of an entire community. Snyder has been charged with two counts of willful neglect of duty. He was arraigned on those charges this past Thursday. He pleaded not guilty to both charges. He received a $10,000 personal bond for both counts. By the way, a $10,000 bond. You would be lucky if you stole a pencil and you got a $10,000 bond if you were not the former governor. That is nothing because, of course, you have to pay, what is it, one-tenth. So he has to pay $1,000 to get out of jail. And, of course, he is not allowed to leave the state of Michigan, which might be the worst punishment of all of this because, of course, he ruined the state of Michigan and now he has to stay there. Hopefully he can learn a lesson or two. And of course, uh, we love Michigan and we cannot get back. We cannot wait to get back to uh, Detroit and everywhere else in Michigan. Love freaking Detroit. 
But the Michigan legislator, it defines willful neglect of duty as follows. It says, when any duty is or shall be enjoined by law upon any public officer or upon any person holding any public trust or employment, every willful neglect to perform such duty where no special provision shall have been made for the punishment of such delinquency constitutes a misdemeanor punishable by imprisonment for not more than one year or a fine of not more than $1,000. So he has no more than one year and no more than a fine of $1,000. Obviously, I don't believe you'll see any time behind bars. And that is a massive slap in the face to everyone who has been uh, so hurt and just adversely affected by what's happened in Michigan. This man is absolutely pathetic. According to Snyder's attorney, Brian Lennon, he calls the prosecution, quote, outrageous. This is outrageous. He just poisoned his constituents. This is outrageous that he would have to pay a thousand dollar fine. Obama drank the water, okay? He drank the water from a glass Not the that sh- he said has the water in it. Not the best moment for the Obama presidency. That's for damn sure. This is what Lennon said. He says, it's outrageous to think any criminal charges would be filed against Governor Schneider. He goes on, any charges would be meritless. Coming from an administration that claims to be above partisan politics, it is deeply disappointing to see pure political motivation driving charging decisions. Wow, isn't that right? I'm sorry. Sometimes politics and uh, what's right intertwine. And what is right in this case is for Governor Schneider to be prosecuted much more so than for a misdemeanor. This is a felonious act that he did. There are countless documents of them, again, knowingly understanding that the water that they are going to be giving to their constituents is poison. They know it. There was emails. There were jokes about it. This was not an accident. This wasn't a whoopsie-doo, because if it was a whoopsie-doo, they would have just switched back the next day. As soon as the first constituent's like, hey, my my water is brown, and it uh, it looks like it's full of lead. Oh, okay, we'll switch back to the water source that wasn't full of lead. They knew this, and they did this for corporate interest, and it is absolutely disgusting. So, at the very least, I guess some chargers are being brought, or some, it's not even a slap on the wrist. It's like they they looked at his wrist and called it fat. They didn't even touch his wrist, but... So this, now I'm just getting upset. But, I, mean, <laughs> but, honestly, I mean, honestly, at, at the very least, there is some some spotlight on what he did once again. But we have to remember Governor Schneider, Rick Schneider, for all of time, for all the witches that are listening, do like a hex or something and uh, and make make one of his balls really yeah. big and one really small. And, you know, in this case, it's like if there were rioters outside of his governor's mansion or governor's duplex or whatever, somebody... Yeah, I think it is the duplex. (laughs) Like, that that would be so justified, right? Absolutely. That would be the most justified riot that I've ever heard of, is a guy that knowingly poisoned your, like, the water that your children drink. Yeah. Uh, But nothing like that even... I mean, it is... Well, the people that protested... Everyone said, look at these crazy anarchists out here peacefully protesting the fact that they have poisoned water and they don't want it. We better send in the National Guard. And then, of course, when another side protests, the National Guard. Well, I don't want to say that about the National Guard because they were there to protect the Capitol. But we had some other people in power 
that certainly aided and abetted what happened there on January 6th. And uh, it'll be interesting to see those people held accountable. And just lastly... Oh, yeah, which will totally happen. <laughs> yeah. So stay tuned for that stay coverage. Tuned. The guy who poisoned well, Flint, good. Michigan for seven years got a $1,000 citation. Yeah. So I'm sure there will be a, so many uh, people being held accountable in the next... Well, th- that's a good way to keep our audience I was just thinking about this, too. Because we'll year, be like, stay tuned for when they get charged. And then 10 years later, they'll still have to be listening to us because they won't be charged. 2020 was the year of unbridled anger. I think 2021 is going to be the year of crushing disappointments. Because there, there, Travis, there is nobody... do you have to constantly be gone? ...is going to be... <laughs> Jeez. Nobody's going to be held accountable. And this is like such a, a clear well, depiction of that. You know, that to that degree, again, second half of 2021, we're getting this freaking vaccine. I'll inhale the damn thing. I don't care. Put it into powder form. I will go straight up Keith Moon with this. I'll inject it into my freaking veins, which I guess you have to do anyway. Yeah. You are right when it comes <laughs> to <you>. punishment, <laughs> because there's already people well, close to uh, Biden being like, you know, Trump is you better pardon him. Don't like, yeah. because of the peaceful transition well, of power. Mueller. I think that Trump has given up the artifice of like, he, you know, of course, this is what this is what hurt Gerald Ford's entire administration. Right. Right. As soon as Gerald Ford took over after Nixon resigned at the idea of being impeached, Nixon was never impeached. They literally threatened it. And because he actually felt shame. Yes. The man who <laughs> killed thousands of people in Vietnam felt enough shame to say, all right, I'm, I'm just going to go. Just the idea of being impeached was that bad for him. Gerald Ford pardoning of him. But when he pardoned him, that completely uh, destroyed Gerald Ford's credibility. And if Joe Biden pardons Donald Trump for whatever federal crimes he may be facing, I don't think that's the right idea. Let the justice system work it out. And uh, Joe Biden, just wash your hands of him. Uh, like Honestly, Pontius if he Pilate. tries to, if Biden tries to pardon Trump, there are some people being like that. James Comey, as James a matter Comey, of fact, yes, oh, not Mueller. Okay, what is what? James Comey. How many freaking mouths does he have? Because in the same tweet, he said that uh, Donald Trump should be charged. Everything he did was felonious. And then the next sentence is, but Biden should pardon him? What the hell? James Comey, as a fellow six foot seven man, you need to shut up. I think You're James Comey might be a little bit like Forrest Gump, where he might be. Everyone project because he's quiet and like unassuming. Everyone projects all this like in, like intelligence or wisdom. James Comey might just be like kind I, of a dumb guy because he keeps saying really dumb shit. I watched him uh, give a speech at Politicon in uh, 2020, 2019? I guess early twenty twenty. Oh my goodness! And yeah, it was dull. And I can't say that anything that he said was particularly enlightening. And I definitely didn't come away with it feeling like more confident uh, in his ability to uh, to to make in his ability to like I don't know shift the conversation in a way that would make our d- democratic republic better. Like he's just sort of wishy washy. He's very vanilla. And again, the man probably cost Hillary Clinton the election. She did herself. Yeah, no I was just about to like compare uh, him to well, the but. Quaker Oats guy, but I realized that the Quaker Oats guy convinced like the he Quakers, convinced people that Quaker Oats is good. Yeah, and they convinced a whole like community <laughs> not to you know masturbate. Yeah, so it's like that's power. That's power. <laughs> He's not a Quaker Oats at all. All right. Well, before we get to our conversations with our friends, just one more story that we are going to continue to follow. This is in the extremely early phases of this because obviously, again, Biden is not yet president, but there are people within the Biden administration that want him to block 
a arms deal or an arms sale that Donald Trump has set up with the Saudis. So the Trump administration, again, the administration of 100% peace, they've been arming a lot of people. They are just as complicit as former administrations in arming a lot of people. This is the globalists. But of course, because Trump did it, uh, the people who screamed the word globalist just failed to mention this. Uh, He had an $800 million arms deal with the Saudis, specifically with the Saudi crown prince, Mohammed bin Salman. Of course, uh, Mohammed bin Salman is the one who uh, scripted or cultivated or allowed, uh, um, hired the goons to go kill the journalist. Khashoggi. uh, Khashoggi. Um, The man is horrible. And the idea that Saudi Arabia is somehow becoming this liberal bastion of freedom is a lie. I say this through the eyes of a fan of professional wrestling. Mm -hmm. For example, when they do the crown jewel performance uh, over in Saudi Arabia, because the WWE got 400 million bucks, I think, for that. Women, they are allowed to wrestle in tents. Like, basically, they have to be wearing full burqa in order to wrestle. And it's still only men allowed in the Coliseum. Although I believe for every three men, they are forced to bring one woman to make it look I, like it's such an ass backwards. I would just stay uh, home. Too much, too much math. Involved Way too in much going math. out. And, seeing it. and you know, the idea that women are allowed to drive, it's still not accepted. Perhaps legally it's less frowned upon, but they still have the religious monitors. They, the country is still, a religious patriarchy in the worst possible sense. And of course, 17 of the 19 hijackers on 9-11 were Saudi. Something that we just don't care about for some reason. I wonder if it's because of oil. Perhaps it is. Nonetheless, uh, $800 million in arms sold to the Saudis. They have not yet received those. This is a Trump administration deal that they struck. Hopefully, Joe Biden says, no, you don't get it. And of course, uh, we'll see what happens as Joe Biden goes forth with his foreign policy. We're going to keep a close eye. We don't want any foreign wars. We can't afford them. And uh, hopefully we're in a in a phase of rebuilding not just our country, but uh, rebuilding some of the uh, relationships that we once had with our foreign allies. And I, I don't believe that that would require any kind of acts of military violence in the Middle East or places uh, abroad in general. So hopefully uh, the Biden administration says, nope, sorry, Saudi Arabia, you have not lived up to your promise that you are becoming more uh, small L liberal and more free as a country. So now you don't get the bombs. Hmm. You don't get your toys because you haven't been a good enough boy. All right. Well, let's have our conversation now with Devram Stiefler and Jason Selvig. They are the good liars. Fantastic. Check out Undecided. Check out The Supporters. Fantastic documentaries. These guys, speaking of balls, as I mentioned earlier, they are, they're balls of steel. I can't believe the things that these guys do, much like uh, Sasha Baron Cohen. Like, I don't know how anyone just no, throws themselves in these, these situations and does it. Some of these things they did, I was just like, my jaw dropped because it just Well, takes... Jason at one point gets on stage with Elizabeth Ward and proposes to her. He does mention, he's like, I think being white helped in that situation. But like, they did stuff that was, I just, I don't know how they do it because I don't wake up in the morning and have any desire to do the things no, that in, they in do. The, uh, in the supporters movie, I think uh, they just sort of 
uh, acknowledge that, like, oh yeah, this is just w- what being a white guy is. You just yeah, sort of this walk is like around we get to do that. with a, an invisible a visibility cape on. Have you heard? Sling TV offers the news you love for less. Hey, wait. You look and sound just like me. I am you. I'm the same news programs on Sling TV for less. You mean you're me, but for less money. A lot less. I'm all the favorite news programs and more on Sling TV starting at just $40 a month. Everything great about me, but for less money? Which makes me greater, don't you think? Get the news you love and more for less. Start saving today. Visit Sling.com to see your offer. Sling. Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley with premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more, all built to last. No matter how many spills, scuffs, or pet-related mishaps come its way, the leather collection at Ashley is made with the durability you need for the whole family. Shop the new leather collection at Ashley and find chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas at $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home. Okay, everyone, now it is time for our interview with two of my favorite human bodies in the history of the world, Jason Selvig and Devram Stiefler, the good liars. Thank you guys both so much for being on the show. Hey, thanks for having us. Yeah, happy to be here. I'm so happy to see you, and I'm so happy you guys are alive. Uh, Devram and Jason were both at the Capitol. They were there January 6th. I don't know if you remember what happened. But it looked pretty crazy. So let's just start with how the hell was January 6, 2021 in these fine United States in Washington, D.C. What the hell did you guys see? And uh, let's just start with that. Devram, you kick us off. What the hell was that experience like being in the middle of that strange mob? It started like any other day. We woke up in a hotel in Washington, D.C. and uh, walked outside and a mob of Trump supporters were heading down to uh, what was inevitably going to be a crazy uh, speech by Donald Trump. So the walk there was. So you guys were there for the speech from Donald Trump that sort of sparked what became the Capitol insurrection? Well, the story actually begins the day before. Because we (laughs) we spent the night there. We filmed there on um, Tuesday and we actually went to Alex Jones's crazy speech with like Roger Stone and Michael Flynn. That was like we played a soundbite from Roger Stone's speech. That was the one where he said uh, Donald Trump is like Abraham Lincoln because he freed, quote, this slave, a.k.a. (laughs) Roger Stone. Yeah. (laughs) I almost forgot about this. There was a crazy the, the night before Roger Stone had like filmed a music video about. I haven't even revisited this in my head since, but on on the big screen, they were playing this um, this music video about Roger Stone being freed, and it was like a rap, and he was there with, like, <laughs> his striped suit and, like, you know, his hat yeah. and uh, trying to dance along to it. I, that's, like, a bizarro thing I haven't thought of since then. Wow. Oh, my God. So you guys were at the Roger Stone, January 5th, at the Roger Stone Alex Jones meetup. Can you describe kind of the vibe? What was the uh, what was the tone in the air? I mean, I would assume hostile and insane. But yeah, go on. (laughs) Uh, Nazi esque, I think, is the best way to describe it. It really felt like when when um, Alex Jones was giving his speech, I mean, DeVram was like turned to me and was like, this seems like it. It's Hitler. 
talking right now, just the way he was moving his his hands and speaking that like we're about to go to war with the globalists. Tomorrow is war. It's a battle and we will not lose. We will not surrender. And it almost didn't sound like English. He was screaming so loudly and he was like, you know, doing the same motions as as Hitler. It was like Mussolini or yeah, looking around. It was like. Uh, you know, it was hard not to be transported to a different time in a different place. So was the audience when the audience is there? Obviously, this is the, this is why we have to have good leadership, because there's a lot of power that comes with the pulpit. When the audience was there, January 5th, obviously before what happened January 6th, naturally, that's how things work. Um, but did you sense that they that the hostility level was rising as the day was going on, I mean, they very easily could have taken this opportunity to talk about freedom, talk about globalists, but then to dissuade violence. But they didn't. So can you talk a little bit about what was some of the ingredients into the recipe that led to the total chaos the following day? What were some of the things? Were there any differences? Because you guys have been all over the country in numerous, countless political events. Uh, again, if you haven't seen Undecided, uh, check that out. Or the supporters, check that out. Great documentaries um, by Jason and Devram. Was there a difference in in presentation at all? Was it more hostile or, I mean, obviously not less, but. Yeah, the, the people there were there for a purpose and the purpose wasn't necessarily nonviolent. Um, everyone there believed that they were part of a revolution that was going on. The, everyone had signs that said 1776. They thought that they were fighting um, back against an election that was stolen from them. Um, and they were there to 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 cause a ruckus. They were there to to be rowdy or whatever Donald Trump said. They right. really believed that that Donald Trump had sent them there. And it was like there was a military vibe to it. Um, there were militias that were there and people in camouflage and bulletproof vests who basically had set up perimeters around Washington, D.C. on every corner. Hmm. There was somebody with a with a walkie talkie talking to other people like I think they were worried about like, quote unquote, Antifa coming right. and uh, starting something or something. But basically, and, it was- and if you wore a mask, you stood out immediately. I mean, any, anybody who did have one, maybe had one of those neck gaiters that you kind of pull down. And sure, if, if you had like a medical mask on, it was just like, who, like you know, we who did. are you? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. exactly. So, right. uh, you know, walking around there, you have these groups of people in, in uh, camo, you know, talking in hushed tones, watching you walk by, they'd all stop talking and look over like they, for whatever reason, they really wanted to be, feel like they were in charge there. And it was not like a friendly atmosphere. And so what was, I mean, obviously the juxtaposition between how the police reacted to the protests going on the fifth and the sixth in DC compared to how they were reacting to some of the protests that were happening midsummer because of police brutality and things like that. What was the response from law enforcement? Did you see, was it more of a, uh, did they allow certain activities to go on that then became acts of violence that could have been nipped in the bud? Or what was sort of their approach to it? Because that was what really struck a lot of people when we talk about two Americas. Obviously, I would like to live in a united one America, but there are two different sets of standards that are applied to groups of people. 
Did you notice how what what was your um, opinion of how law enforcement was dealing with these massive crowds? Uh, I just think the night before the what we're talking about, I didn't really see cops, and I think it made people feel like this is the eve of a big day, and we're not going to be uh, suppressed when we do whatever we're doing tomorrow. Like it, it wasn't as if it felt so controlled that night before that like anything was was going to be under control the next day. So I kind of think it was a recipe for, uh, you know, what happened the following day that nothing, it, it was like really wild the night before. But we did see about 20 um, school buses filled with national guard troops. Okay. that were all around the city that, and it was just, they, they, a lot of them didn't even get out of the buses, but it was just crazy that they weren't there the next day when you actually, needed be it crowd control traffic control whatever right protection of the capital why they were there the night before and why they weren't there um on the day of the the speech so when it comes to january 5th alex jones roger stone out there was there any indication in your mind that violence wasn't going to be the outcome was there any was there any time where you were like well maybe this is actually gonna gonna, maybe these people are just getting the let out and it's all gonna be good because it seemed to me like there was only one one direction that this was headed and that direction was towards violence i think you're absolutely right that i mean that was that's why people came there and that's definitely the the alex jones audience who believes that that you know all sorts of crazy conspiracy theories? They thought they were there for a war. They literally thought they were there for a war. Um, it the, you could feel the anger in the crowd. I don't think we realized they were going to end up at the Capitol necessarily at that time. So we were just kind of thinking like, well, I hope nobody shows up to fight them. <laughs> yeah. Right, like, right. And they can keep yelling like this. This isn't that bad. It's a little scary. And and um, but at the end of the day, if they just kind of yell themselves out and then leave tomorrow afternoon, that'd be fine. Yeah, uh, that would be just fine. And that's their constitutional right. That falls right. within the First Amendment. No problems there. If they want 1776 to come back, I firmly believe they need to live like it's 19 or like the, like it's 1776. They need to throw away their televisions, get rid of their phones. Uh, they yeah. have to get to D.C. by buggy. That if yeah. you really want 1776 to come back again. Live it, buddy, and then it's yeah. already here for you. Bring isn't your it? guns, but only muskets. Bring you can only musket, have a musket. Bring yeah. your favorite horse and the one daughter you let leave the house. It, it seems like they didn't know if it was 1776 or 1860. Like some people were sure there was going to be a civil war, but a lot of people were sure it was going to be the Revolutionary War. But they don't like kings, but like Trump's a good king, so maybe he's okay. Like it's confusing, but it was all about January 6th. We've got to take our country back. Can you talk a little bit about what was we were talking about this on last week's episode about coalitions? We talk about like the Bush coalition, the Obama coalition, groups of people that come together in order to uh, in order to create the numbers large enough to elect somebody president. Um, what was the coalition there? Because we saw some Q supporters. Alex Jones has since denounced Q in a very strange <laughs> tirade, despite the fact that he is aided and abetted and has multiple supporters uh, within Q and whatnot. It's so disingenuous after what happened. You had some Q people there. You had, as you said, um, some just straight up Nazis. You had some Confederate uh, sympathizers. What was this hodgepodge of folks? Who makes up this crowd? Well, I think there was, there are the, like the cons- 
conspiracy block of the party, um, which is mainstream Republican now, right. which is just like they believe that there is a conspiracy against them and Donald Trump. And again, anything against Trump is then by proxy against them in right. a lot of their worldview. Um, but also, I mean, DeVron would seem like we saw a lot of people who were in a militia or like the Proud Boys who were there, they just wanted to start shit. Was basically their 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 whole reason to be there. Yeah, um, a lot of the people you listed, the Confederate types, the cultists, and super religious types. It's just like anybody who was kind of a fanatic and had gravitated toward this big election, you know, stealing lie over the past couple months was there and in force and right. Uh, and there were there was a lot of religion there. You know, people we would talk to, it would oftentimes quickly turn towards, you know, some version of we're on a mission from God. It's like right. not even about Trump anymore. We heard a couple times, mostly it was about Trump, but a couple of people, it's not even about Trump anymore. Like we're on a mission from God to free this country, which is scary talk because I don't know how you convince them, you know, that they're not right. Right. It's a funny line for the film Blues Brothers, a horrible line for people about to attack the United States Capitol. (laughs) That is extremely scary. So we have the pep rally on January 5th, which is what I'll refer to it as the rah, rah, rah. We're going to do this. Everyone goes, probably gets completely lit. They're up early the next day, January 6th. You walk outside. Did that mood that was created January 5th, how was that hangover? Was it more? Uh, enthusiastic. I mean, this is it. This is go time. Do or die. Shit or get off the pot. Well, we there's a there was a because t- we stayed in D.C. at a hotel. So we our experience didn't end when we let, went to our room because we still heard people outside screaming throughout the night, like getting pumped up. Um, we heard like pump up music going on, which like we both are having a hard time describing. But it, it felt like it was like I picture somebody like. <laughs> In like, uh, what was that movie with, where uh, they're Jarhead or whatever? Like they're they're like yeah. in there getting pumped up to go to go to battle, and we heard that Vaguely late into the night. Patriotic and then- metal something, and apparently you you didn't sleep as well as I did. I was like, wow, they're playing this early this morning. Jason was like, that was the entire night. <laughs> yeah, it was like three hours. It stopped, and then like it was like again at six in the morning. So you have a group of hammered, tired, pseudo-patriots who are just absolutely convinced they're on a mission from God, and now they go to a speech from the closest thing to God, a surrogate for the Lord's voice in Donald Trump. So now they go to this speech. What was that like? And uh, can you just talk about how were you surprised with Trump's tone? Just talk a little bit about the speech and talk a little bit about um, how that added to the evening before? Well, the speech, we, we got up and we, we did some interviews in the, in the morning and our plan the whole time was we wanted to leave right after Trump's speech because we anticipated violence. 
Right. Um, Unlike the Capitol Police, I guess we thought things could get out of control. Right. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'd leave it up to improvisers, who, uh, you know, who, who do comedy for a Who's living a to be on the front lines that, of security. Yeah. Where have we fallen as a country? Yeah. Is there going to be violence? Yes. And they're going to storm the Capitol. Oh, oh yeah. Wow. Good technique, Mr. <laughs> Mr. Del Close. That's right. I, improv 201 graduate here. So, Perfect. Yeah. That wasn't uh, a sham at all. That was in a cult what are you I talking about all the levels multiple <laughs> times and look where i am so um, what made i would assume then so the speech was happening yeah just talk a little bit about that so so we interviewed some people during the morning and and we had a couple bits that we were going to do and the whole time we're thinking in the back of our heads like it, we don't want to get recognized because we're getting recognized more and more and yeah in this situation we were like oh if we get recognized it could be the last time anyone recognizes us and we're yeah. not going to have an open casket uh, funeral because they're going to beat the shit out of us and kill us. And, and, and of course, I'm sure I don't have to reiterate this to our audience. Five people have died uh, because of what happened. And that fear, it's not just it's not just the typical pussy nature of entertainers no, uh, that, that fear, was in there that's in there too that, though in all yeah. fairness <laughs> but that but that fear uh, is is totally valid. And there was, they would have, we would, we would interview some people and, and then occasionally there would be like a guy in a bulletproof vest with a big beard who would just come and, and just watch and he'd have zip ties on his belt and he'd just be watching us. Just come stand nearby. Like, I, I think they're circulating this. Like you see people wearing masks and they're, they've got a camera and a microphone, like they're press and they might be the bad kind and just intimidate them. So there's a lot of like, silently like standing next to us like observing yeah. uh you know i don't know what they were gonna do but like you know the implication was like don't don't say anything we don't like because you know it won't go well for you and how did you feel instinctually because you guys have been in a lot of precarious situations i was actually at fox news when you got <laughs> kicked out and banned from news corp for life uh when you did your tribute to bill o'reilly um you know you've been you've met with secret service people i mean hell you actually jason you got on stage with elizabeth warren for crying out loud yeah. uh you got so close to her i mean it's insane <laughs> what was your personal level of safety as far as a feeling goes given your history with being in uncomfortable situations it, it was it was different this time it felt different and i think we were both we were both worried devram was you know definitely like saw the violence coming more than i did devram did you go by the name david <laughs> like or did you like because i just feel like your name might might trigger a uh an itchy finger somewhere i, think I usually say dave i think but you know i leave the names out of it in situations <laughs> like this but you always say your full address and phone number which i think <laughs> is so weird <laughs> i don't want people well, he's to ab- get in touch with me some of these people might be friends i just haven't met yet one guy actually did email me i gave out my email to a guy uh, and he followed through, so I may have made a friend. But he was a he was a literal cult leader, right? He was Wasn't in that he? cult. Yeah, I don't think he was the leader. Yeah. He was passing out pamphlets. I don't uh, think. Yeah, that's, that's definitely not the leader. <laughs> that's not. That's maybe fairly low on the cult totem pole. Right. But I'm sorry, Jason. You were saying so. You you felt it was different. We felt we felt it. It it did feel a little bit different, just from the way people were talking about how this their this is a big day. And they kept on saying things like war and civil war and 1776, and we're not going to let this get stolen from us. And then 
Um, I don't, I don't want to skip over anything important that happened during, you know, we got a great, a lot of great footage and there's right. interviews and stuff on. And what time in the morning is this is eight thirty nine AM. What time do we get? We, we left the hotel around eight. We, we were like a 40 minute walk. So we're okay. kind of walking to this, uh, to the speech almost with all these people over the course of the morning as people are, are filtering in. So we probably left our hotel at 9 a.m. Okay. and um, are slowly making our way there. So this was probably, I don't know, I want to say like 12 or 1 by the time Trump starts speaking, right? Okay. And we had been to the, the venue the day before and checked it out. I mean, it looked like a music festival. And and, and that day we kind of hung out outside. We could hear Trump speaking, but we figured we'd keep interviewing these people um, yeah. and maybe get out before the speech let out. Right. Uh, but, you know, again, there, there weren't, it felt a little different because there just weren't a ton of cops around. Like you might see a couple on a corner, but uh, it felt pretty lawless. Like it was just this like mob of people kind of like talking and uh, amping each other up and kind of slowly moving towards and away from the speech. Like people just really wanted to be there. And if you put a microphone in someone's face, usually like Jason said pretty quickly, you know, war, civil war, revolutionary war, today's the day kind of stuff. So it did not feel great. And again, the duality, you can't understate. I mean, when when Trump went to go hold the Bible wrong outside of St. John's Church and they gassed people who were peacefully protesting during the day before uh, curfew. I mean, it's it's just insane that there was no police presence whatsoever. I mean, well, why? I mean, the Secret on. Service. Sorry, uh, just this just popped into my head. Just remembering yeah. the Secret Service. They actually had blocked off the White House much more than they had blocked off the Capitol. Okay. So like the, the, the two blocks from the, the white house were blocked off, right? Trump, we couldn't, you couldn't go there where we were, or even we were filming this summer, they had blocked off the park there. And then there, there were secret service barricades in between it. So like Trump had protected his house, but not the Capitol. Um, of course, naturally. And obviously, they probably weren't going to go there anyway. But. As Trump's speech was was uh, continuing, did you notice a ramp up as, as you know, the, the one thing you can never take away from him is the performative aspect of his presidency. You've seen countless, again, rallies that he's done. I've watched hours and hours of him speak, and it really does get that. The people are more riled going out than they are going in, which you can't say about many politicians. Usually halfway through, you're like, all right, I got it. I'll vote for him, but I'm bored as hell. Well, there's the there's the two types there. Yeah. Half of the people at most rallies, not this one, but start leaving for their cars um, to, to get out. Right. And the other half that stay behind are the half you're describing that they walk out and they're you know ready for action. And I think only that second group of people are the ones who showed up to this. This was for the the diehards. So did you feel like as the, as the speech was going on, were you like, all right, well, people are definitely, definitely getting more amped up. No, because we left. Our whole plan was to leave the Capitol, to leave DC yeah. at the, by the end of his speech. So we walked back to our hotel to get our car. Okay. So we left, we left during his speech. And as we were pulling out, we were driving past the mall and we saw all the people walking towards the Capitol and YMCA was playing. So oh we knew goodness. it was over. And I was like, why are they all walking in the same direction? And Devram yeah. said, 
you know, he was like the soothsayer of this whole, the whole two days there. He was like, I bet he told him to go to the Capitol. I bet they're going to go to the Capitol right now. They're all going to the Capitol because they're about to do the vote. And like, he looked it up online. He's like, yeah, yeah, they are. So we, we parked our car yeah, and watched the, I mean, it was insane. We watched the whole thing transpire and it was a, like a nightmare. <laughs> it was a literal nightmare so we, watching. We, parked, we walked up and they were all just kind of getting there. And you could see like, if, if you're looking, it's like, you know, we arrived at the backside of the Capitol and there are three sets of stairs. And at each set of stairs, there were like eight cops, and like wow. a mob of like thousands of people kind of like undulating, like moving these barriers and kind of like, OK, I guess if this is how it works. And uh, and then so we're just kind of watching and walking up and then suddenly uh, someone breaks over and there's like a scuffle like, oh, wow, this is getting a little crazy. And then it was just like a flood. And, you know, within five seconds those the the central stairs in the back are just totally full of people flashbangs are going off and it went from you know a, a rowdy um protest if you're watching from a distance to something that looked like total anarchy and you know war almost so it really it seems like it was just a switch that was flipped and then once one of the gazelles starts running they all follow yeah yeah no they, they were it was, they were pushing against one another. And these were the, like looking in hindsight, looking back at it, there was a group of people that purposely went to the back of it. Um, and those are the people that got in okay. right away. These are the first people that got in and they were being very, very violent with like the 20 or so cops, uh, uh, Capitol police that were there on the steps who I think, you know, you've seen the videos, the people like of the guy, like waving them in and letting them in. The ones we saw were getting their ass kicked and they were fighting like heroically, in my opinion. Wow. They were they were they were pushing back and I don't know how they didn't pull a gun out at these people who were like hitting them in the face with flags and, and pipes. Right. And the whole while this is happening, there's a Christian group there right next to us, a uh, with this a stage and a microphone. They're like um Pentecostal. Yeah. They're speaking in tongues and they're saying, Jesus, cover, uh, cover this building in the blood of Jesus, protect Trump, protect this building in the blood of Jesus. And people are like on the ground and like speaking in tongues all around us. It was like the craziest experience I've ever been a part of in my life. I like the scary soundtrack to it, but just in, in real life, like the people rush up the stairs, you see these flashes like the, I guess they're flashbangs or something. Yeah. You see smoke start to come up, like tear gas and everything. And then these people start singing. Uh, and then all the while, like there's some guy and his dog run by, like on his daily run. He's like, they're not going to get in the way of what I do at two o'clock. Uh, and so it was just a, the strangest thing. You know, we heard the story about, you know, it's sad, but the irony is a woman was wearing a don't tread on me shirt and she was stampled to trampled to death. Can you like for me, it's hard to understand how um, if you step on something that's not the ground, you usually look down. And then when you realize it's a person, you would theoretically stop. Can you like how the hell did they did this mob get to a point where trampling a human being was even a viable thing that could occur? Was it because it was so fast? And was there a moment like 
like what triggered the 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 immediate explosion towards the Capitol? Like, was there anything that you saw where you're like, that okay, shit, like this is why it this I guess this is me I guess this means go. Or did it just sort of seem to happen just kind of spontaneously? Well, I don't know if anything was spontaneous because Trump told everyone to go there. But like the right. the the they were there and they were following orders. I mean, people thought they were following orders from Donald Trump. Like they they went there. Um, and I think once you got the crowd there, they're so riled up. And like, think about it. Think about if it was something that like you actually believed. Like, obviously, we're looking at this and we're like, oh, it's a conspiracy theory that they all believe. And there's no basis in reality for any of this stuff that they're talking about. And if anything, there's voter suppression is happening on the other side. Exactly. People with not their skin color. And so like to, to th- they actually believed it. They believed this thing and they were angry. And then a lot of them were just militia guys who like wanted to actually like overthrow the government. <laughs> yeah, I think there's a, a, a lot of people wanted to get into the Capitol. A lot of people wanted to surround the Capitol and make their presence felt. But I don't think it's much of a stretch if like, you know, a cop starts trying to push back and then ends up, you know, getting hit by a flag. And then suddenly there's a scuffle. And then, you know, the people who want to get in start climbing the barriers like it was such a volatile situation that it kind of felt inevitable that people were going to start pouring over that barrier and you know they did so you guys are there you're initially like we got our footage let's get the hell out of here you stop you're looking at all of this how long did that how long did this um siege actually go on for were you guys able to get like a time frame of like when people went in and like when the hell did they leave like i i I mean, it, 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 was this an hour long event, 30, 40 minutes? I mean, now we're hearing conversations about how some of these people may have been escorted through the building January 5th by uh, members of Congress so they could scout out where to go. Did you guys get any sort of insight into like uh, the purpose, the purposeful nature of how they were uh, conducting themselves? Um, I don't think so, really, to be honest. Like, I mean, we saw people and and how how long everyone was in there i'm not sure of that either because we did leave after a little bit of time but it's all a blur because we yeah. were filming for some of it and then after a while we both we both stopped filming and we're just like this is hell that we're watching right now like this yeah. is we couldn't believe our eyes and in real time you don't know if people are just getting murdered inside and you've got cops you know sporadically around it and we're seeing cops. I saw one in tears. He doesn't know if all of his, you know, the, his friends are literally getting killed, you know, right. 50 yards from him and everything. So at the time, um, we didn't know what, how this would all pan out, um, which is obviously terrible. We had no idea the, the scope of what it would be. So we're just kind of watching this happen. Yeah. And, um, and so I guess now when it comes, so that, that's the event. And then when it comes to the fallout, you guys are obviously watching everything, I'm sure, from you know the internet and television and stuff like that. Did you guys look through any of your footage? Did you find anyone who you later saw committed a felonious acts? Were you able to like give any of this footage to the FBI? I mean, honestly, God knows did anything like that occur where you're like, I think we talked to the dude that was like the QAnon shaman or something. <laughs> No, we didn't. We didn't talk to the shaman. We did, you know, after we saw the the raid in the um, the back steps, we walked along the side um, and we saw a guy who you could like see the inside of his face and he was bleeding. 
And like, and I think he was yelling that he was hit with a rubber bullet and we were like, Oh my God, this guy must be going to the hospital. This is insane. Yeah. And then Devram texted me the next day and was like, Hey, look, this guy was on the Senate floor. Like the guy went around to the back and then went inside and then like committed all sorts of crimes by being there in the first place. Um, and we saw people on the side who were like, you know, who'd gotten tear gassed and was like, I can't believe they do that to me. I'm an American. Right. And it was just like, you're on the steps of the Capitol right now, man. Like, you're not supposed to be here. What are you talking about? I mean, I feel like that was that's the another one of the many layers with this whole thing is the amount of privilege these folks thought that they had. Because, again, the word has come down from Donald Trump uh, himself to go and do this act. The amount of self-like importance within this group of people. I it really can't be understated. Like the fact that they were surprised that they got pepper sprayed. Yeah, I mean they're they're, they're saying this is our house. <laughs> you know? This is our house. The, we we just lent it to these people. What's that guy's name? That's what he was saying about Nancy Nancy Pelosi. This is my desk. I just lent it to her. I pay taxes. You know? Right. That was the idea times a million was we we are allowed to be in there. And it was almost like the cops were there just as a formality. Um but that they should be allowed to get in and, and get out. And that's what people were doing. It was like pouring in and you'd see people leaving. I mean, we saw this guy had been shot by a rubber bullet, right. apparently going in and I think going, leaving and going back in. Yeah, I think that they greatly uh, they greatly misunderstand what the People's House is referencing. They were stopping uh, democracy in action, which is right. completely <laughs> counter to what they were supposed to, what they said they were there to do, which is protect freedom. It's like, you've just decided with your own stupid ignorance to negate 84 million people's vote. Like right. that's your idea of freedom is to, I mean, you can't rationalize it. So, but, but of course, so we had January 6th and now we have the fallout. So going forward, I just want to hear your insights. First of all, we have the inauguration happening on the 20th. Um, I know that Capitol, the, a, a lot of Capitol officers, the head of the police uh, of the Capitol police resigned because I think that's what you do when you fail so unbelievably so bad publicly. <laughs> at your job so publicly. <laughs> so January 7th and, and beyond, now we're seeing people get arrested and things like that. And, and rightfully so. I mean, what they did was an act of, of, of violence against the state. And then not to mention an act of stupidity against humanity because they posted everything on Instagram. I know. That's the funniest part about the whole thing. It's just like you got your you're taking a selfie and you're just like laughing so hard, but you are creating so much evidence, just giving all this evidence on a silver platter to the FBI. And these people being like, I can't believe you found it. I deleted it five hours later. (laughs) (laughs) I know it's unbelievable. (laughs) I, I, that's the, I was, I saw that picture of course of the dude with his his feet up on the desk and uh, you can just see the prosecutor playing that or showing that picture with the context of criminality in trial and just right. see his big smiling face within him wearing his finest suit, sitting there like a, you know, bewildered child because in their minds they were just following orders. And it's like, look at this jackass. Look at him. Look at these morons. The defense lawyer for the guy who's got the podium. Uh, did you see that? No, or I he's, didn't. He's giving a statement and 
he's just like, well, yeah, I mean, that's, that's a picture of my client with the, uh, the podium. You know, I'm not a magician. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's it. Obviously it's a bad situation for <laughs> yeah. me as a defense lawyer, you know, it's, he's got the podium <laughs> and there's a picture of it and he's not committing ideal. a federal crime and he's not <laughs> supposed to be there. And you know, it's obviously but, uh, not a good thing for me. The thing that was so shocking is the smiles, right? It's like this armed insurrection trying to on January 6th again as everyone knows you know the votes happening where you know this is going to make everything official usually it's a symbolic thing like Mike like the idea that this is a political event is kind of crazy usually January 6th it just kind of happens and everyone's like blase boring government uh, clerical work not in this case they they were smiling to such a degree of like they were so proud of themselves for doing whatever the hell they thought they were doing it's it's uh, it's going to age in a very interesting way. Well, it's just funny. Not funny. Actually, it's all very sad, <laughs> but it yeah. it's 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 just sad that that they are so happy and they're literally doing nothing. They literally did nothing. They were protesting over nothing. They were angry because of nothing. It was all a conspiracy theory made up like like strained out from the most disgusting message boards online, all these conspiracy theories that made it into the mainstream and yeah. they, and they were protesting about it and five people died because of it. Did and, you see the theory that the inauguration is just an event to get all the uh, democratic lawmakers in one place to be arrested. And it's actually Trump's master plan. Um, they would never show up there. If they didn't believe it was Biden's inauguration, we're actually about to watch a mass arrest on live TV. So they haven't quit. What do you think? What what is it going to take? What's it going to take before the delusion is shattered? You guys have you guys again in 2016. For those that don't uh, have that, please watch. Uh, undecided. It's a great documentary. Uh, Devram and Jason are the ones who uh, had the Trump armbands. Fox News ran with that story. You guys have been with Trumpers or have been, uh, I don't want to, I guess studying, I suppose studying Trump supporters for four years. Um, what's going to, how does it end? I mean, that's the big question for January 20th. How does it end? Like, what is the, what is the conclusion? These people don't seem like they're going to be relegated back to the internet um, search platforms or the, the depths of the internet. I mean, they're out. What, what do you guys think as you've seen them now become, because I remember when being a Trump supporter was hush hush. This is why all the polling data was wrong. And over the years, it's become so normalized and now just not normalized, enthusiastically screamed, uh, you know, how these people are so proud of it, proud enough again to put themselves on social media while uh, committing acts of treason. Where do you guys think this movement goes after following? And maybe talk about how the changes that you've seen over these four years in the movement and where does it go? It's kind of a big question, but you know, what are some of the things that, how has this thing been advancing or devolving? I guess. First of all, I, I don't have an answer to that, that whole question, but they're not giving up. I think we know that much. I think the, my pillow guy was seeing the white <laughs> house today with some notes that, uh, they could only they only got about half the page that said words like martial law on them, presumably meeting with Trump or at least one of his aides. They're not giving up. They're not the type to give up. And I do think this Capitol riot as um, awful and stupid as it was, was a victory in in, in many of their eyes that, really? um, you know, they struck fear into into these people and that 
um, you know, a point was made. And so I'm a little, I'm a little, um, concerned about what that, what that message is. Uh, and I, I know it'll change, but I don't see it going away anytime soon. It's, we've been talking, it's like a religion. So once yeah. you're in it, um, I'm not sure how you get out other than hopefully the country moving on and fewer people being attracted to it. But the ones who are diehard, it's going to be hard to imagine them, them giving it up. Yeah. And I, I don't think it's, I think that it doesn't end with Trump, unfortunately. I think that they're, what I'm worried about is that it's not just Trump, that these people now are kind of in an alternate reality in basically living in a fantasy land of conspiracy um, where they really believe this stuff about, uh, you know, the, the stories that QAnon has put out there, that there is a global cabal of pedophiles who are drinking children's blood. Right. And they actually believe this is real. And where now it's not just that Donald Trump is like the guy pulling the strings, the fantasy lives on, you know, the fantasy, right. the role playing is going to um, live on. And if, if you believe you're doing something that is actually like freeing children from slavery, right. You're going to do something crazy. And that's, yeah. and that I, and a lot of the people that were there believe that. And a lot more people are getting radicalized every single day um, by not just QAnon, but all of these conspiracies that have, that aren't part of reality in any way. Jason, you mentioned how these people, uh, they're talking about like the pedophile cabals and stuff. And this is why I've, I've mentioned this before, but in the in the documentary about the dude who stormed Comet Pizza, when he's filming himself driving, like there are moments where you actually think that his purpose isn't necessarily horrible. If Wayfair was selling children with their cabinets, I would say that's bad. It's a bad if thing. there is a pedophile cabal drinking human blood, I would say that's also bad. So where does that morph into now? Coming on January 20th, I mean, that's to me, I think that you're right, Jason and DeVram, in, in a sense that like after Biden is president, what what do you like? How what, where, how do they save the children? Like, what are they going to do? And also, again, the irony is, as the children who need to be saved are on the border. Uh, when it comes to child sex trades, those are through our foster care system. We need to reform our prison systems. There are we need to reform our, our welfare systems. There are reasons that people fall through the cracks and end up in human trafficking. And none of them have to do with any of the things that these people believe are the re are the cause the root i mean as a matter of fact donald trump is probably the root of more child sex trafficked more children being sex trafficked than the vast majority of human beings that have ever lived and it's mostly an economic problem to begin with anything with like the sex trade i mean it, there's there's reasons why it's not a a secret ring of rich people there are not right. a million jeffrey epsteins i hope i hope not at least Otherwise, that'd be a big story. That'd be a big Q drop. That would be. Um, but the the I I think I'm just worried how it morphs from here because you can see how quickly an enemy is created, and not only just an enemy, an enemy that you believe is actually trafficking children. Like it's like right. Tom Hanks is a is a is a child sex trafficker, right. and Oprah and all these people. Where if you talk to them, they're like. They're just like capitalists, kind of. <laughs> they're just like making money and making movies and and right. and whatever. Like they're not like it's just an insane conspiracy theory that is just warped from people who just like stay at home and get 
red pilled through a YouTube algorithm. Right. I think some people think there this is like a political division, but it's like you know, it's like a cult. It's like a religion. It's not going anywhere. They have the, they have a shaman apparently. Like, <laughs> shaman. like, what are they doing? What are their rituals? Like, this is now probably the biggest cult around. Now, like all good cult leaders, he's being persecuted. He's going to prison, oh, totally. and uh, he can write his book about his struggle. And uh, we'll see if he can write. I'm not quite sure. I think the schizophrenia <laughs> might take over within the walls of a, of a jail cell. Who well, knows? Well, if he doesn't, if he doesn't starve first, they're not giving him organic food, and he won't eat it. I don't know. If I know. <laughs> oh, life is very hard for him, isn't yeah. it? January 20th, Donald Trump is holding a, a speech. He's having another rally. What do you guys expect to see? Are you guys going to go? Um, what it, what the hell is this going to be? Is this? I, I'm honestly like, um, I can't tell if this event has encouraged and revigorated or invigorated, revigorated, invigorated. I'm not even sure. It's revigorated, revigorated <laughs> the uh, revigorated the crowd, or if this event on January 6th sort of woke up some people. But what do you think is going to happen now with Trump and his speech? And he ain't going to he's conceded technically, but he's certainly not going to concede the idea. Did uh, he concede? Not really. Well, I mean, basically with like, a gun to his freaking head, he had to because literally I think they were like, you're going to. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, he should be quartered in the town square. Um, we can use we can use horses like it's 1776. So everyone will be happy and he should be torn limb from limb because I think he's committed an act of treason uh, in this case. And, of course, allowing Putin to kill our soldiers with zero ramification whatsoever. Right. What the hell? January 20th. Uh, what what do you guys expect to, uh, to see? Nothing good. Nothing good. I mean, it, it, it's going to be every time. I'm sorry. I'm just like every time I think about about Donald Trump and I think about his supporters and, and he gives one of his speeches with a teleprompter and then goes off about like uh, how gift cards are dumb for about five <laughs> minutes. Yeah. And you're like, I can't believe these people are hanging on every word. He's just like doing bad improv in between like a teleprompter speech. I expect the exact same thing as uh, without the calls for violence. He's just going to say it was stolen from us. We, we we're going to take back the White House in 2024. This was a big, big scam. Or he's going to declare martial law and Devram and I and you, Ben, we're all going to be killed in the town square. We'll be the ones dying. Come at me, bro. Come <laughs> at me, bro. We can the do honor it. honor to share a cell with you guys. Oh, oh it would, would be, be fun. Uh, it would, well, Devram, I hope you're ready for a lot of professional wrestling talk. Yeah. It's yeah. probably going to, you might be the first one to commit suicide in the cell with just the words WWE written <laughs> in blood. I will. 20 minutes in. Enough. You're both right. That's what I'll say. Yeah. We could recreate so many great matches <laughs> that you could watch. Like, think about how cool that oh would be. Oh, my God. It would be All incredible. Right. I could be Bastion Burger. Jason could be Hulk Hogan. We'll have I a dream I want to be match. Damian Demento. That's what I would. I think we should all be obscure. <laughs> Just obscure wrestlers for Devram. Devram, you know who Damian Demento is? He was on the first Raw. You knew that. You knew right. that. Damian Demento? Yeah. You're stealing words out of my mouth, but The goon. The goon was a good one. Don't get me started about the goon. Yes, uh, of course. <laughs> you could guess what his gimmick was, actually, probably pretty easily. What do you think the goon's gimmick was? Uh, I don't know. Was he was he like a goon? Was he like a heavy? Yeah, he was like a goon. Yeah, he's a hockey player. He's a hockey. He would yeah, come in like yeah. boots shaped like hockey 
hockey escapes. This was right around the time that this is right around the time they had Cosmo Kid. I'm gonna go end it. This is right around the time they had Cosmo Kid, who used to used to hit his flamethrower on his jetpack, and he would jump. This is good. This is good entertainment for adults, guys. This is good stuff. You know that's Conan. That's Conan. Yes, I know that. Max Conan, which is insane. Yeah, Max Moon, which is insane because he's like a badass dude. And I'm like, how did the bits get into that? Viva la raza. Well. <laughs> Speaking of megalomaniacs, Vince McMahon and Donald Trump. Donald Trump certainly learned a lot about kayfabe from professional wrestling. And we realized in real life when you have kayfabe, it leads to real life violence because we're not in a freaking wrestling ring. We're not scripting these events. These are improv done everywhere by morons. But Ben, I was just thinking about this today. When Donald Trump like goes to trial or whatever, if it happens for his many tax crimes or whatever, do you think he's going to put on a uh, neck brace like Vince McMahon did <laughs> during the I think, I think he's going to be Vince meets Harvey Weinstein. He's going to have the little the the tennis the balls walker. on his walker. He's going to be blind like Bill Cosby. He's going to try yeah. and like defend himself. He's going to be like you know he's going to be his own legal defense or some crazy thing like there's no way he just sits there and takes it right no he can't uh, physically do uh, it he'll be kicked uh, out of the courtroom yeah he needs uh, the neck brace like vince he needs to go blind like suge knight he needs the walker like <laughs> weinstein and then who who freaking knows but honestly to that point is this so incestuous that could you even find 12 people in this country to indict him because if it's a fair trial theoretically there would be some sycophants on there right, like it, right. all it would take is like one trumper to sneak in there. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, it's like if the, if it's in New York, Southern District, I don't know. I don't know how that works. I guess you get Who some the? one person from Staten Island there to be like, he's the fucking best guy. He's the man. I fucking love that guy. You're telling me we want to convict God right now? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, thank you guys so much for being here and telling your story about what you saw over these past few weeks. Did you guys expect it to get this far? Again, just sort of macro your journey with in these four years, thank God we can have hindsight. I can't wait for hindsight over these past four years. And I'm sure you guys have enough to write a freaking book about this administration. And if you guys are not doing that, please do it. Cause I'll, I'll have somebody read it to me. Um, <laughs> I haven't God. slept since the election. I, I kind of felt like this was inevitable. The, as soon as a few days after, you know, Republicans didn't peel off and say, okay, this happened. Uh, Donald Trump lost. I kind of felt like this was the inevitable, not conclusion, because it may just be the beginning, but he wasn't going to give up power, uh, you know, peacefully. There was going to be no peaceful transfer of power. So I kind of felt like this was inevitable. Well, hopefully this isn't just the end of Act 1 going on to Act 2. Hopefully this is a climax moment. I don't know, but from the moment he uh, descended from the escalator, he went from calling Mexicans rapists, Fast forward uh, just a little over around five years ago, or a little under five years, I guess, we have the Capitol being sieged by Trump supporters as uh, members of Congress hide in bunkers, uh, scared for their lives. It's pretty freaking insane. I was everything in me. It, it, it took to stop me saying wrong, wrong to you right there, because <laughs> I think this is just the beginning. I think we're in big, yeah. big trouble as a country right now. Yeah, well, big, big trouble. I hope not. I'm going to stay on the positive side, even if it happens to be wrong. 
Uh, I will do my best to to try to throw that. Like, hopefully, I mean, I you know, I'm I'm reminded too. Like we were talking about, Colts Defrom said that word multiple times, and he's right. Um, these people have lost family members, they've lost friends, and and now we're at a point where it, they can't admit that they were wrong for the past four years. There's no, no way because then you have to admit that you were wrong, and that's very difficult because of human flaw. So, yeah, I, I, I don't know. Like, they've lost their families. They've lost everything. A lot of them have lost their jobs. Uh, I mean, hell, Giuliani, as far as I'm concerned, should be disbarred. He's not even getting freaking paid by Trump, which is incredible. Which oh, is great. the only funny part. It's like <laughs> the, the only, only funny, funny thing Trump has done, to be honest. Like, it's not pay him. But, the, I mean, yeah, it is a doomsday cult. It's like uh, we were talking about this earlier. It was like that QAnon's always wrong. He's always wrong. And he's always like, oh, then he makes another big prediction and and people in doomsday cults don't leave when the when the head makes the wrong call they actually double down because it would have been meant that they were wrong to to devote their life to this and i think that's what we're going to see with a lot of these people i mean it's the same thing with the you still see confederate flags in the south like think about that that was a long time ago and you still you still see that and i think that the trump flag is going to the, it's it's the new Confederate flag in more mm. ways than one. Well, I mean, it's definitely going to be an interesting time. What do you think, just sort of tangentially? What do you think with the deplatforming stuff? What are your? Th- I mean, does that does that push it underground? Is that where it should be? I because I, I'm always kind of conflicted. I don't. I have again. I have no problem with it. I believe Walmart removes products from their shelves that they don't want, uh, and I don't have a problem with any of these platforms being done away with or parlor whatever. They can also come up with new platforms. It's not they're not being silenced. This is not a first name uh, issue. But what do you guys think about the deplatforming and how will that affect the movement? Does it solidify it, make it more of a rock or does it slowly splinter it? I think it, they if they're feeling actually silenced and now they have real ammunition to say that, I think there's real concern. But I guess maybe I don't understand, um, you know, all, all the complexity of like if if you deplatform these people, does it actually eventually go away because the communication is tougher? And, and, and I don't know that. And I hope that's the case that like, don't, don't make it so easy and maybe it won't spread so quickly and it'll actually go the other direction. But what I worry about is this is just such an easy thing for them all to get behind. We're being silenced and it's real. This is the one real thing they have. Yeah, Look, true. they took him off Twitter. He, he's, uh, you know, they're trying to to stop him from communicating with us. It's actually the the one real thing they can point to. And I, I don't know if they'll increase their numbers as quickly, but. I guess the follow-up to Varam, do you think that that was the right idea? Because I understand both sides of this. It really is a difficult, I don't want Twitter having so much freaking power. I hate social media. Yeah. I would want to understand the data. Like, do they are they converting people at such a rate that this was the only thing to do and there was inevitable violence and it was really the only thing to do. Um, in that case, it was the right move. Right. But if this is just going to be a rallying cry for these people to say, look, we thought we were revolutionaries. Yeah. It was all stuff Q said that didn't come true before, but Q is right. They want to silence us. Look right. at this. And it's a real big thing that happened. I worry that that's kind of what's going to gel this movement together for a long time. Look at all these big corporations and Twitter and everyone's coming down on us, but we're going to fight back. Yeah. That's what I worry about. So I, I don't have the answer, but I bet there's some some data on it that we're not privy to. I, I think it's good if, if people if people aren't radicalized at the same rate. I think it's a good thing. I think you, should, you can look at it like these people are being fed misinformation and 
outright lies. And, you know, Facebook had a, I think a responsibility, you know, to this, they had the responsibility, the smartest person and the dumbest person. And you have to look at it. Like some people are looking at things, thinking it's news and thinking it's real. And there was a study about like adults on Facebook. They thought like, I think 80% of them, and I'm probably butchering this and giving some fake news right now, but like 80% of them believe that the news was curated and they were seeing the same thing. They were seeing the same thing that everyone else saw and that everything had been fact-checked. You said, you said five it, out of six thought their feeds, their news feeds were that of everyone else. Yes. yes. Oh Not my real. goodness. That's so, so only one dangerous. In six understood they were being fed something that, you know, they might be attracted to only one in six understood that. Um, oh so, my God, that is so freaking dangerous. Again, hopefully that's not fake news. That was something. No, I'll look up that, that article. I'll talk about that from, in the episode. Because because wow. it, it, with with QAnon and all that stuff, it's like this is if these are lies, then they're lies. And I think that we do have a responsibility to our fellow citizen to not be feeding them lies. And yeah. like, I don't know. But and I also think it's very funny that Donald Trump doesn't have Twitter. I just think it's funny. Yeah. I don't know if it's a good <laughs> thing or a bad thing in the long run, but it's very funny. Uh, yeah, I have seen some disgusting. There's one, uh, I guess, former comic or whatever. But anyway, uh, they were saying uh, it's Twitter is less fun than they literally the tweet was Twitter is less fun than now that daddy's not here. And I'm like, <laughs> Ugh. Ugh. Oh, it's so yeah. gross. Ugh. Like Donald Trump is daddy makes me so nauseous. Anyway, Devram Stiefler, Jason Selvig, check out everything they do. Just balls of freaking steel on these guys. Nice size. Oh, yes. Tell, now we're going to talk about your balls. <laughs> All right. Balls of steel. Uh, I got nothing on bottom here. So. <laughs> you. Uh, thank you all so much for what you do. Uh, th- thanks for having us. Thanks ben. for having us. Okay, there it was. Jason and Devram, thank you so much for coming on the show, guys. And thank, uh, thank you for what you all do. So I hope you enjoyed that conversation. Whew, those guys, man, I it's fun to throw yourself into the fire in theory. But then once you actually do it, they just keep on going back. And I'm I, like, I think I could do it once. And then I'm like, this was crazy. I got it. I'm happy I did it one time, but I'm good now. I would like to know if they have uh, like medication or something that keeps their like their nerves calm in those situations because that's i don't don't seem to they don't even seem to stammer or anything i think in the moment no they're just surprisingly thick-skinned tough guys yeah because you look at them you're like wow those guys what could they do and it's like well they're actually they actually have some again pretty big cojones or for our lady listeners big labia all right now it is time for our conversation q what the hell is Q? Where the what hell are Q? you? We learn more and more every day about this phenomenon. Where is it going? How is it morphing? How is it changing? How is it evolving? It doesn't seem like it's going anywhere. It seems like the narrative is constantly changing. And uh, people, they just keep on getting deeper and deeper it's, into it, you know, the conspiracy. It really is just like a dark storm cloud that is just slowly moving over our country and zapping certain people's heads with electricity. It's just so many people. And we don't have the exact number because everything is kind of underground and becoming more underground. And we talk about that with Travis View. Is it right to uh, kick people off of these social media platforms? And and does that... I don't know. Like it is, we. Uh, this is always the question. Obviously, the First Amendment is very powerful. It's extremely... It's the law of the land. And we need to protect it with all of our heart and all of our power. But at the same time, these are private entities. And as I've said before, 
Walmart pulls products off their shelves all the time uh, that they don't want to have, and I don't care that Parler is gone. Also, you can just have a new app. Uh, like it's be there, creative there and there's no, so many other ways to, uh, there's so many other, like n- no communication yeah. has been halted. There's eight Chan. There's, I mean, er, or eight Kuhn now, whatever the hell it's called. I mean, there's so many different platforms. So I don't, there is no validity yeah. to this. I think Republican, let's, these, the Trump aligned Republicans that are, you know, uh, sticking with Trump and, and trying to sort of capture his base after this elect, after this post shift to Biden uh, uh, they're using this like misshapen cudgel that is like cancel cancellation. They right. like the idea that that Republicans are being canceled, well, the fact- silenced for their views, and it's like not the case at all. As you you are saying this on a TV screen at a right. lectern in the U.S. Capitol, point. you're not being silenced. Josh Hawley getting his book like. The publisher, oh, what a putz, the public, Josh Hawley. The publisher of Josh Hawley's book saying, like, look, we don't want to be um, associated with your vile, like, pig-brained uh, ideas. Uh, and then say, and saying that that is somehow a, a cancellation of a, 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 to, a sort of group of people. There's a, I really hope there's a group of people that got elected that are going to be, like, the most quickly unelected uh, people. Like, Bobert, that, that chick out of Colorado. I watched her on C-SPAN. Truly truly insane like and deeply infected woo, with this philosophy Q. of the QAnon stuff absolutely so i think that you're going to enjoy this i think you're going to enjoy this conversation with travis view again he is the host of QAnon anonymous and uh this q thing it's been happening since 2017 that was the first drop and it just continues to blossom into a tree of with leaves dripping blood i don't see there's no peaceful. There is no possible. Pe- there is no possible peaceful conclusion to this conspiracy. I don't think. No, it's because a, the it's whole a, point is a, violence. It is sort of a death cult with a kind of rosy goal in mind, which is, of course, the complete extermination of all satanic pedophiles. Yeah, which sounds great. It does sound great, and you also get a live version of the Constitution with a built-in pussy and a <laughs> yeah. built-in butt, so you can truly. Have sex with it. Isn't that nice? The Constitution is a, it makes a lovely wife. Oh my God. But if the Constitution finds you hanging out with the Declaration of Independence one more time, there's going to be some trailer park tra- tra- <laughs> some drama in the trailer park. And nothing wrong with living in a trailer there's gotta park. There's got to be some cheap, kind of like living. Bill of Rights, Fleshlight. Thing. I, don't think I, I am not. In, I'm not surprised by anything anymore. That's a little surprising. It's to, a document. If I were to, it's no, like, the bill it's of like, like jerking off to an Excel spreadsheet. No, no, no. Remember the Bill of Rights sitting on the Capitol steps in that That's old cartoon? That's a cartoon. But he, That's Schoolhouse he, Rock. You could theoretically fuck the Bill of Rights in I'm that gonna form. You, I'm going to let you continue down that thought. I'm not saying anything that it's like the the new Bark Times or whatever. The you know the dog toy that you like. That's yes, this, the of fake, course. It's like shaped like that. If you had. <laughs> A micro penis, <laughs> but a pretty like, tiny toy. But if you were to fit it, you know, if you were to like format it correctly, you want to continue talking about how do you have sex with the Constitution? Sharks, sharks. I, <laughs> I want to bring you. Don't this. Shark Tank me. <laughs> I'm such an. I love that show, Shark Tank, because sometimes you get a deal and sometimes you don't. Have you heard? Sling TV offers the news you love for less. Hey, wait. You look and sound just like me. I am you. I'm the same news programs on Sling TV for less. You mean you're me, but for less money. A lot less. I'm all the favorite news programs and more on Sling TV starting at just $40 a month. Everything great about me, but for less money? Which makes me greater, don't you think? Get the news you love and more for less. 
Start saving today. Visit sling.com to see your offer. Sling. Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley with premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more, all built to last. No matter how many spills, scuffs, or pet-related mishaps come its way, the leather collection at Ashley is made with the durability you need for the whole family. Shop the new leather collection at Ashley and find chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas at $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home. All right, everyone, now it is time for our conversation with Travis View. He hosts the amazing podcast, QAnon Anonymous. We are going to uh, figure out more about Q than you ever thought you needed to know. Travis, thank you so much for being on the show. And also, Travis Morningstar is with me in this conversation as well because he knows quite a bit about Q. Double himself. Travis. Double yeah, Travis. It's, a, it's too a much. T- two Travises well, and no, a I, bed. You say I know. But I mean, honestly, I listen to Q Anon Anonymous, and that's how I know anything about hey, Q, right. honestly. So we got the source with us. So, Travis... Um, just to start, this is going to be a broad general question and we'll whittle it down from there. What the hell is Q? Yeah, as far as far so we're as far as we know, it's uh, Q is the cult that worships Q from Impractical Jokers. Is that right? <laughs> no, I love Quinn. What what is this? What are we talking about? And just give our audience an assess. Just let so we can start with the base of freaking knowledge of what the hell we're even discussing. What the f is Q? So yeah, I have the I have this kind of like this one minute this or this one or two minute kind of explanation. I kind of keep in my pocket when I get this ex, when I get this question. And so basically, like QAnon is this a very elaborate conspiracy theory, and also a conspiracy theory driven extremist movement that believe that the world is essentially controlled by a satanic cabal of pedophiles. And this this cabal they they control everything. They control Hollywood. Uh, they control uh, uh, media. They control politics, and uh, especially like you know uh, politicians like. Like Hillary Clinton. Tell me where they're wrong, Travis. Yeah, exactly. Well, right. <laughs> well, hold on. Let, I, let me keep going. Let me keep going. Okay. It gets a little kookier from the, from there. So uh, they further believe that uh, that uh, basically this cabal would have continued ruling the world just indefinitely without any serious opposition were it not for the election of Donald Trump. They believe that Trump knows all about this cabal and he is so pure that he was uncorrupted by their evil ways. Okay. And uh, they further believe that uh, that uh, basically Trump is working to fight and destroy this cabal. Now, further, they believe that he's not doing this uh, sort of entirely in secret and sort of in order to kind of like reveal what's really going on with this sort of this uh, this uh, this battle. What he's doing is that he's sending out coded messages on these image boards It started out on 4chan, later moved to 8chan and now uh, it's currently on 8kun now. Now, they believe that uh, QAnon followers believe that by sort of decoding these messages, which which they call Q drops, they uh-huh. can sort of understand the sort of the moves and counter moves between what they call the white hats, the sort of the good guys in government and sort of the black hats, the sort of the pro cabal people. And so that's that's basically it is this kind of like gamified way to sort of interact with the news. Start. I guess my first question is. Well, obviously, the hypocrisy, number one, when it comes to Trump, how do they square the fact that he was very close with Jeffrey Epstein, which I would assume is like massive on their bulletin board of major global pedophiles because he is a major global pedophile. Even a broken clock is right a few times a day from what I've heard. How do they square 
that Donald Trump was close with him, all of the footage, all of the young teen pageants. If I'm looking at someone who is grooming kids, I don't look much further than Donald. It's true. It's baffling. Uh, I mean, the man is obviously a, a horrifying pervert, but uh, how they usually square it is they, they sometimes say that, well, uh, no, yes, uh, Trump only uh, got close to Epstein, but that was only to take him down. Where they point <laughs> out the fact that uh, Epstein was, in fact, arrested during the Trump administration, and they, they credit him with, with uh, that, uh, that arrest. But what about Acosta? Of course, Acosta was the, uh, was the main attorney in Florida. He was the one who gave the sweetheart deal to Jeffrey Epstein. And naturally, Donald Trump was like, that's the resume I need in my administration hired him for the uh, Department of Labor. How do they, again, the the word square is going to be often mentioned here. How do they rationalize that with Acosta now working with Trump, the one who gave Epstein the sweetheart deal in the first place and allowed him to have sex basically with underage people while still in the custody of the state of Florida? Yeah, yeah, it's horrifying. It seems like why would they why would he hire someone who basically let uh, Epstein off with a slap on the wrist? But uh, no, this was all all about like, you know, uh, keeping the corrupt people close so that they can be monitored and for the uh, chess and uh, uh, trust the plan. And they have basically a lot of these sort of thought terminating cliches that sort of explain right. away why it is that he seems to be the sort of uh, evil person that they ought to hate. But uh, but uh, there's sort of a secret reason why he is not one of the cabal. I, I love mean, that it, term thought terminating cliches. We're speaking with Travis View from QAnon Anonymous. Check out that podcast if you want to learn more and more than you ever thought you wanted to learn about Q. So they believe he's keeping his enemies closer. And no matter what, is there anything that that could shake their belief, even in a and we'll talk about post President Trump as he's being deplatformed and things like that. Is there anything that he could have done in his four years in the White House that would have said to Q that he is not the Messiah. In fact, he is the devil himself. Uh, maybe. What would if, it have taken? Uh, maybe if he started praising Hillary Clinton, maybe if he started inviting uh, Hillary to the White House, if uh, if this sort of thing started going on, uh, I imagine maybe they would start having some questions. Why is but, it that what, what is it with Hillary and like the and the and the pedophile cabal, like why why is she the face that they constantly attack? Is there any? I mean, I know she did have that case that was uh, discussed in 2016 when she let that person off or defended that person who was a pedophile and was like, "Hey, we're gonna get this guy off." All of this stuff when she was a lawyer. It, why is Hillary Clinton the face of all of this? Because I don't think about her that much. It seems like these folks are kind of obsessed with her. <laughs> it is. Uh, we sometimes call QAnon like a, a devil-based religion. And in QAnon universe, Hillary Clinton is the devil. She is just the source of uh, all evil. And I think it really it partly relates to the fact that sort of like in the sort of the, the right-wing media ecosystem, uh, Hillary Clinton has has always been a, a villain of sorts. Uh, it's, you know, Especially like in the 90s, there was, this, uh, there was this belief in the Clinton body count, the belief that uh, the Clintons were a 
essentially just offing people left and right like a mafia in order to cover up their many heinous crimes. And so if you are sort of just marinating in this sort of this media environment for decades, then you would be led to believe that uh, it's not that crazy to think that in addition to like all the deaths that uh, Hillary Clinton just, you know, sacrifices children and drinks their blood and they they do all other sorts of like horrifying things that uh, deserve to uh, that in, to the extent that she believes to that she deserves to like go to Gitmo and be executed and other horrifying right. things. And of course, in 2016, that was uh, sort of amplified by the murder, the unfortunate murder of Seth Rich, right. uh, a person who was killed in the streets of Washington, D.C., which does happen. Uh, that seems much more plausible to me than him being killed by the Clintons and people say, well, he wasn't robbed and whatnot. God knows if someone is willing to just shoot somebody randomly, maybe they're not in the most uh, clear of mind. So I suppose that with all of the mur- with with the Seth Rich murder and then all of these accusations from the past, I suppose that may have solidified the idea that Hillary Clinton is indeed a demonic force to be reckoned with within these QAnon message boards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was definitely um, like, yeah, that was and like they always sort of connect any death whatsoever to Hillary Clinton. Seth Rich w- was definitely one. Uh, it, like you point out, it was one of dozens of unsolved murders in the D.C. area from that year. Um, right. And uh, the I mean, another big one was uh, was uh, JFK Jr. Uh, they believe, for example, that uh, the, the plane crash that killed JFK Jr. in 1999 right. wasn't a result of a pilot error, as investigations sort of determined, but rather it was uh, the result of a plotting by Hillary Clinton because she wanted to take him out to prevent him from running for Senate so that she could take the Senate seat. We can't even get health care. How are they able to do all of this? Is that I mean, I think that's the duality that we have to hold in our minds where people think the government is completely incompetent on one hand. And then the other hand is the government is this ever knowing, ever powerful being that's able to take planes down from the sky with a simple bat of the eye. Well, can I can I switch gears a little bit here? I I, I had a question for you, Travis. Uh, is the QAnon philosophy or ethos? Uh, is it inherently violent? Is it is it for people who take a warlike stance towards life, or is it something that is it a philosophy that can exist in the minds of, say, a school counselor, like somebody who you would otherwise seem as like a normal person who just happens to also have these beliefs that the world is being run by pedophiles? It's very interesting to me. Interesting to me that the Capitol siege revealed how it's your like mailman who's also a QAnon believer now. And uh, how it's sort of also taken on a global it's 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 all you know, it's an international phenomenon at this point. So I, is the philosophy like is it poison that makes people violent or is it is it violent people who are ha- happen to be attaching themselves to this this uh, thought virus that's happening on the Internet? So yeah, you strike upon an interesting point is that is that the the QAnon sort of philosophy at bare minimum sort of like encourages and sort of uh, permits violence to to uh, fall upon their political enemies. But the thing is, is that they don't want to sort of do the violence themselves, and they want to believe that any violence that happens has to happen through you know uh, sort of a due process essentially. And in this sort in this kind of way, they're kind of like outsourcing the violence that they want to happen. Now, really. 
really, I the thing is, is that QAnon is an extremist movement. And when we talk about an extremist movement, I'm, I'm, spe- I'm specifically referring to the fact that they believe that there's sort of an in-group and an out-group and, and that the in-group success can only happen through hostile action towards the out-group. And they okay. think that, you know, the out-group is uh, Hillary Clinton, the cabal, whatever, whatever, the deep state, whatever have you. Sure. But the thing is that they've kind of like, they've kind of like said that the military and Q and Trump are going to be the ones taking the hostile action. So they don't have to do anything themselves. They don't believe that they have to take matters into their own hands. They can just sit back and enjoy the show and grab your popcorn and watch the events unfold. So the thing is that, yeah, I mean, they they want to see violence happen. But what Q promises, essentially, is that the, the sort of the world cleansing violence that make that will make the world a better place, so they believe, doesn't have to involve actually getting your hands dirty. Basically, the military is going to do it. The courts are going right. to do it. So you just have to watch. You've mentioned uh, the Q drops. Can you explain a little bit about what those look like? Are they sort of like horoscopes in the sense everyone can sort of glean what they would like to from them? Are they, uh, d- does it, does it, has it grown because it's kind of ambiguous and you can sort of uh, infer mean, your own beliefs onto it? What is a Q drop? The ones that I've What's, read, they feel like tone they feel like poems or like haikus or something yeah what's the what's the what's the content or what's the strategy of a good what's a perfect cue drop where you can get people who may not even agree with each other but together they have formed this sort of belief in this thing yeah, I mean, yeah, the thing about like cue drops is that they often contain these like these these weird cryptic phrases and they'll they'll have they'll say lots of things like watch the water. <laughs> watch the water. What is that? What does that mean? It doesn't really mean anything. So like movie taglines is, right. is what he's yes, dropping. Yes, they'll say, of course, uh, where we go one, we go all. They sort of the the, the they sort of the motto from White Squall, which they kind of like adopted for their own. But yeah, or they'll say um yeah, like the thing is that if you if you're like really convinced that has to mean something significant, um, then they'll they'll sort of like impose meaning upon it. Or they'll say something like rig for red or they'll say, you know, um, was it a uh, hunt for red October? They'll make a lot of movie references. Right. right. And so and they'll kind of like decide that decide that this isn't just someone who is making a lot of meaningless cryptic phrases. It has to be decoded and it has to mean something significant. And of course, there is no meaning there is no sort of like lock there's not a way to sort of like derive the true sort of uh facts behind the, the meaningless phrases so they come up with a dozens of different interpretations that they decide is uh, sort of the real truth behind the q drops well perhaps rotten tomatoes is behind it trying to bring some more eyeballs <laughs> mm. to some of the old classic films from back in the day when it comes to q drops has there been any infighting because i when it comes to this group as opposed to like ufology, for example, which Henry Zabrowski follows very closely from last podcast on the left, uh, there seems a lot of there's there's not a, a, an agreed uh, answer to the UFO question. When it comes to Q, is there infighting within this community as they sort of again cipher decipher different meanings from different drops? Because I haven't seen that. It seems like it's a relatively homogenous From group. What I've seen, that- it, it does seem like there is a fight for legitimacy. Like whoever the main character of QAnon is that day, there seems to be like a, a massive fight to like establish that this person is for real. Is, so is there does any? That, does that sort of read as correct? 
I mean, yeah, there, there, there's, I mean, obviously they, I mean, they always operate with the assumption that that Q at the very least is sort of uh, delivering some kind of coded information from deep inside the highest levels of military intelligence with the approval of Trump. So they generally agree on that. What they, what they, I mean, they, but they do uh, obviously uh, regularly disagree on the the interpretation of those drops. For right. example, I mentioned I mentioned the whole uh, JFK Jr. Uh, Clinton murder thing. Well, some a segment of QAnon followers believe that JFK Jr. actually did not die at all. He only faked his death and he's been hiding this whole time. And there's there there actually is some infighting between the sort of the JFK Jr. live sect and the people who uh, do not believe that or, you know, like during back in 2018, there was a lot of uh, battles over the role of of, of Mueller and the Mueller investigation. Right. There's the Mueller white hat theory. There are people who believe that, oh, uh, uh, Robert Mueller is only pretending to investigate uh, uh, Trump. And in, in, in actuality, he's uh, sort of investigating Clinton. And then oh. at the end of this, uh, there's going to be a report about all the evil Clinton crimes. And then the media will have been tricked into uh, sort of basically praising this man for for uh, investigating Clinton. Now, obviously, that fell apart. But right. there, are, there are conflicting interpretations all the time in QAnon. Well, how, and I guess, you know, the important thing when it comes to conspiracy theory is uh, flexibility and is fluidity. How are they able to sort of deal with what's happened? For example, with Mueller, right? So the Mueller report comes out. We understand some of the facts. It was a bit of a dud because everyone was like, this is going to get Trump out and yada, 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 and so forth and so on. We all know what happened there. How are they able or are they able to thrive or survive because they are flexible, because they're not tethered to um, a rationale other than the 100 percent core belief that the world is run by pedophile, uh, cannibalistic, Satan loving maniacs? Can it is that safe to say that it's a a fluid movement that is willing to sort of go with the winds in order to rationalize this belief? Yeah, absolutely. They they always they're willing to bend themselves to uh, whatever the sort of like new uh, sort of events sort of um, uh, re- how they, how they reveal themselves. Well, let's I and mean, I'm sorry, Travis, to interrupt, but can we talk about that in context of what happened with the siege, for example, and with Donald Trump denouncing them, with Donald Trump now uh, giving another basically with a freaking gun to his head um, saying, Hey, this was bad. I denounced it. Don't kill cops with the American flag. Uh, he had to say that as far as that goes in, in recent, uh, the, the recent events, how has that played into the fluidity of the movement and how do they see it when now their main guy is telling them, don't do what you've been doing. And please God, don't storm the Capitol. Of course, wink, wink, despite the fact he encouraged it. I mean, they're. I mean, they do. A, they do a lot of things. Like one of the things that they do is, of course, they blame Antifa. That that actually it was an Antifa attack. They can just blame it on the the other guys. Or alternatively, they'll they'll do a basically a no true Scotsman kind of move. Well, they'll say, well, QAnon, it, QAnon followers aren't violent. Therefore, any sort of uh, any violent or dangerous QAnon followers who participate in that day weren't really true QAnon followers. So uh, they have lots of different sort of rationalizations for uh, sort basically sidestepping that kind of stuff. Well, okay, so that is interesting to me. You, you've you said multiple times that the people who are involved in Q don't want to get their hands dirty and don't want to participate in acts of violence. And again, whenever we see 
Q and Q supporters manifest themselves in reality, whether it be a rally or a inse- or insurrection, it does turn to violence. So how are they? How are these keyboard heroes? Um, rationalizing the people who get off of the keyboards and out of their homes and into the streets, that leads to violence. How are they able to rationalize those two things from what's said online to when you take those words and put them into action? That's violent. You know, yeah, that, like I said, they said like, well, they just they just point to the Q drops and they say like, well, Q said to not be violent. This person was violent. Ergo, they weren't really a QAnon follower. Okay. They did it with the Q shaman, by the way, the the man with the sort yeah, of the so buffalo gonna... headdress in the painted face who uh, who who sat in the vice president's chair in the sort of the Senate chamber. I mean, I, it, it was this was an interesting p- case because I've met that guy a few times. Really? <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, yeah. I met him in uh, I met him in uh, Arizona at a, at a Q conference and also uh, sort of protest immediately after the, the election. I saw him once at a uh, sort of a save the children quote quote, QAnon uh, 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 sort of march in California. So I I mean, he goes to QAnon events uh, quite frequently. What so was it that was interaction ne- like with him? I mean, he is a, he is a star child. He's a he 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 talks a lot. I mean, he he's he is a weird kind of uh, spiritual conspiracy theorist. He talks a lot about uh, you know who Jesus truly was, and then he talks a lot about the stars and shit. So he he is on a kind of like weird, different kind of spiritual plane. I mean, it um, seems like there might be a, a strong. Uh, mental illness within the man. <laughs> yeah, it seems like it. It seems like it. It, it, it certainly manifests in an interesting way. It was never a question that he was a pro-Trump guy, that he was a pro-QAnon guy. Right. But as soon as as soon as he became world famous for being part of the people who have charged into the Capitol building, they dismissed him as Antifa or they created these conspiracy theories that actually he was a, a Black Lives Matter activist or something strange. It was right. really strange to witness. I remember that when all the BLM people were wearing animal skins. Yeah, yeah. I remember that trend that happened. I don't know. Travis wants to talk about how this has grown into a global phenomenon, which I definitely want to get to um, as well. But just before we get to like how far this has spread, can you talk about Donald Trump when he would when he was questioned about Q, for example, he would say, I don't know. I know nothing about it. Um, Those people are just doing whatever they do. What were some of the major dog whistles that people who read the drops and were really into Q? Were there specific dog whistles that this administration uh, that has about five days left within it or three days left, whatever? Were there specific dog whistles that they picked up on that maybe we just didn't see? And we were like, that just seems like an innocuous, stupid thing, whether it be a tweet or uh, something that it was said in a in a in a press conference or just a random rally moment. Is there because I'm trying to find when we watch this stuff, I'm like, okay, what are other people hearing? Because Donald Trump was attempting to speak to multiple people within the same sentence. And to some degree, he did it. And to some degree, that was the end of it because he related to a group of insurrectionists that well, caused him his presidency. But if, but if you remember, uh, he just said before it was about to be done anyway. He said, uh, as far as I know, they they don't like pedophile. He, like he said something like that, and he was like, you know, if I can help that cause, then yeah, I'm, ex- I'm all for it. And exactly that, for that, I for for them, I think that was like a V Day speech. Like they that was like the one of the best days they've ever had to hear that. Just him say, oh, they I don't I, I can help if they need me to help. Like, wasn't yeah, what, that, what wasn't if, that a, a huge celebratory day for them, actually? 
Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, the thing is that in the QAnon community, they always had this thing called Ask the Q. They need to pressure journalists to ask the Q. They, okay. They've been saying this since um, 2018. What they basically meant was that they believed that if Donald Trump was directly asked about QAnon, about whether it's real or if they're asked who is Q, okay. then he would reveal to the press that QAnon was, was you know, true and, and factual. Now, that didn't happen. But what did happen is that he declined any opportunity opportunities to denounce QAnon. Um, and be, and what he, he did praise the QAnon community as, as people who love their country or people who hate pedophiles. So he had only nice words to say about his most devoted followers, which is unsurprising. Right. I mean, the other thing that happened is that uh, Trump on his Twitter account, which is now gone, uh, he uh, quote tweeted or retweeted QAnon accounts over 200 times, you know, for for uh, for years, honestly, over and over and over again. And some some cases he retweeted uh, sort of QAnon tweets that have the where we go one, we go all hashtag or a hash just straight up hashtag QAnon. There was one instance in which uh, Dan Scavino, which was the, the White House sort of uh, social media guy. Uh, uh, he tweeted out a meme that said, um, you know, it showed the sort of Trump with a violin that says, my next piece is called Nothing Can Stop What Is Coming. Now, this was a QAnon meme because Nothing Can Stop What Is Coming comes from several Q drops. And then oh. he quote tweeted that as well. So, I mean, they're in on his Twitter account. He, he definitely repeatedly sort of like boosted a lot of these uh, these QAnon messages. Are they are we living in a time of a fulfilled prophecy with Donald Trump, with the impeachment? I was not actually particularly I didn't care about the first impeachment this impeachment I would like to see go through and I hope the Senate uh, uh, finds him guilty I don't think he should ever run for federal office again I don't think he should be paid like an ex-president I don't think he should have a presidential library because what effing books are going to be in it this is the sequel you know the sequel is rarely better than the original but I'd like to this one is better yeah Yeah. this one it's like evil dead evil dead Two actually (laughs) had some money behind it but um so are is the vilification from more rational minds, a indicative of the larger scenario where now Trump is being martyred in the mind of of QAnon supporters. What's going on in modern Q with the ever moving um, politics uh, of right now? So, yeah, I mean, obviously, they always they always uh, believe that any opposition is validation. You know, any opposition to Trump is just proof that the establishment fears him because he's about to take them down. Any opposition to QAnon is just proof that QAnon is on the right track. So, yeah, they 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 don't they don't sort of see these sorts these sorts of events like being impeached twice as a bad thing for him. Um, you know, it, you know. In, in addition to that, you know, QAnon followers, at least at the moment, they're still convinced that there's going to be some sort of dramatic event that uh, keeps him in office. I mean, they're right. waiting for the miracle that swoops in and uh, prevents uh, Joe Biden's inauguration and then gives uh, Trump another four years in office. And I'll, I mean, the, the, of course, the, the follow up question to that is like, what the yeah. hell are they going to do on January 21st? Exactly. And, uh, and uh, I, 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 I got to say, I don't know exactly, but I'm looking forward to finding out. But you, I mean, you've said on the show that uh, a big trope of QAnon is that they change the heroes and villains wildly at random. So, I mean, I think you even said this on the show. It could very well be that the new cabinet in the White House, there are, you know, white hots galore in this administration that are secretly trying Even to in Biden's administration, in Biden's administration that are secretly un- trying to undermine him on the orders from Trump like that. That'll be the new storyline going forward 
where it's like Downton Abbey, where the the underlings <laughs> are like. Thank you for saying it right. It's not downtown. I would never say downtown. Downton. But I mean, it, it seems like this story can go past January twenty first with ease. I mean, Yo. there'll be so many so many continuing seasons of this show. Yeah, I mean, like they could believe that, like just like you know, just like there's going to be like kind of like yeah, sort of Trump loyalists sort of in the government that are working on his behalf. So uh, sort of a deep state, but it's a good deep state because it's a pro-Trump deep state. They might go with that angle. Mm. They might believe, for example, that, oh, of course, Trump couldn't take down the entire cabal while he was still in the office. He needed to exit the office in order to take down the cabal. And then now the arrests are going to come sometime during the Biden administration. Yes, but he, the, the, always... the most powerful man in the world, he couldn't do it being the no. president of the United States. He had to be like a janitor who works across the street <laughs> in another building. Well, but honestly, that is a good point. Is there a certain amount, and, and you know, the janitor that works across the building, that's a person, they vote, and they, they maybe feel powerless. What are, what are your thoughts on as far as, what's the makeup of QAnon? Because one of the things that people do like Trump, the thing they like about him, he talk like us or whatever. Might not. I don't want to do that Southern accent, but whatever. I just did it. <laughs> he talk like us. Yeah, that's a very good, good Trump impression Thank there, Alec you. Baldwin. <laughs> Thank you so much. I love Alec Baldwin's Trump impression. Nothing but the, how you say cucumber? Yes. Um, but he does talk to people, and that's a good thing. And the Democrats will probably freaking pick up a thing or two on how to actually talk to regular people. Um, what What is the makeup of the QAnon community? Because it is global. It is everywhere. And it seems like it's got people from all ilk, from all walks of life. Is it a diverse group of people um, as far as economic status um, and sort of social status? Like what? who makes up QAnon? So, yeah, who are these I mean, believers? Like when I first started researching QAnon like two years ago, I like like a lot of people kind of worked on the assumption that was like a white boomer thing. Like it was just sort of people that was like older people, less tech savvy, generally fell into it. And it was generally, you know, uh, sort of like, you know, uh, uh, white people generally. But but yeah. when I went to these QAnon conferences, I did notice that that in, in actuality, it's, it's a lot more diverse than you might think, both in terms of age and uh, and ethnicity. Yeah. And in, the, in addition to that, it's not simply, it's not just people who are financially struggling. As you, you often sometimes see people are doing uh, okay for themselves who, who uh, well, are- Well, you got, you got most- Bobert out of Colorado. She's in, she's in the house. We have people getting elected- even more than that, uh, yeah, Marjorie Taylor Greene, who like inherited yeah. a construction company and it's like, you know, uh, sort of a, a millionaire living in Georgia who's pro- who promoted QAnon for years. You know, it's not just sort of like, you know, uh, sort of financial struggles or this sort of those sorts of things that uh, push people into QAnon. It's something much, much deeper. It's sort of a desperation to radically transform the country and rid, uh, rid the world of like all the people that you think are evil. You know. The Capitol siege, a lot of those people, obviously QAnon supporters, a lot of them also like self-proclaimed proud boys and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. How much is how much of that that group, that mob was, you think, like pure QAnon uh, lunacy? And then how much I mean, are they does it overlap with Proud Boys? Is, it, mean, is it, a, is it something that can exist in a like white nationalist group? Could they all just be well, also QAnon supporters as well? What we're referring to is a right wing conspiracy theory intersectionalism. Yes, that's is what there I honestly Proud Boys it, and QAnon and uh, and anti immigrant groups. Are they? Yeah. Are they merging into one sort of Strange million. Or do those, you know, do those classes clash? You know, can you be a, you can be a QAnon believing proud boy, I assume, right? 
Um, I mean, yeah, I mean, you, you absolutely could. In fact, there was one tragic case of a uh, QAnon-believing proud boy in uh, Seattle named uh, Bucky Wolf, who uh, actually wound up uh, killing his brother because uh, he thought that he was a lizard. Right. Um, so, 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 uh, so there, there is a lot, I mean, there is a lot of overlap. It really is the sort of like, you know, the thing is, is that the, the right wing, you know, it has a lot of pathways into their ideology. You know, if you're a little bit more conspiracy minded, you could go for QAnon. If you, you know, what, if you want to ha- be a part of a fraternity, you could do the proud boys angle. You know, if you want to, if you are a little bit more libertarian minded, a little bit more militant minded, you could be a boogaloo boy. So, right. uh, you know, there are right. lots of sort of angles that, uh, allow Allow basically people to be part of the broad sort of far right wing coalition. We talk about coalition. I'm happy you just said that word because we talk <laughs> about like the Obama coalition, the Clinton mm-hmm. coalition, the Bush coalition, uh, a group of people that you can call out and they will get out the vote. And these are people you can kind of rely on for a long time within the Republican Party. Obviously, they're I think they're going to try to distance themselves as fast as possible. They're going to Usain Bolt as far as far away and as quick as possible from Donald Trump, I think, uh, at this point. What coalition has Donald Trump created? Uh, and does this coalition have legs? Does this coalition stick around? Or, as I think we're already starting to see, does this coalition infight, eat themselves, and slowly devolve into nothing more than a splinter group that can no longer get people elected. Because at this point, again, as we mentioned, they're getting politicians in office. Some of these politicians may have aided and abetted the insurrectionists uh, January 6th, which is just disturbing. Where do you think this coalition goes? Is it solidified or is it as sporadic as I think it is? Because when you get a bunch of people with mental illness together, I can't imagine it's really going to be cohesive for too much longer. I mean, yeah, I mean, there are people who are certainly more more pragmatic about Trump than others who simply see him as a tool, as an instrument to help them get what they want. Um, but a lot of the QAnon followers aren't like that. They see him, again, as the sort of the savior of humanity, the only person who could possibly, you know, uh, do anything good in the world, the only uncorrupted elite. And they will stick with him sort of uh, forever. They will obviously they will peel away from the Republican Party. They will peel away from any sort of conservative movement in okay. favor of him. Now, I don't know if, um, you know, the Proud Boys are willing to go that far or like the Boogaloo obviously are, aren't willing to do that. Even like, you know, some of some um, mainline, mainline MAGA people are a little bit more pragmatic about the, you know, in favor of keeping Republicans pow- in power instead of just praising uh, everything Trump does. But um, yeah, yeah, I think that there are, there is a, 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 a part of the Republican base that will simply follow Trump to the ends of the earth. And they will always, always choose him over more pragmatic concerns. Like for example, winning elections. I've said this before, and I believe this to be true. Like the end of the movie maniac where the serial killer is killed by the, uh, basically the corpses of all the victims that he, that he uh, took throughout his life. He was basically killed by uh, the demons of his past, a perfect, horror ending for Donald Trump would be to have to hang out with nothing but Q supporters. <laughs> like if he actually hung out with these people, what do you think he would think of this group of people that he cultivated for his own political gain? I mean, I think he would like, you know, uh, like to keep his distance as much as possible, but he would offer them, I, I don't know, you know, uh, uh, Trump brand water or something. He'll find, <laughs> he'll, 
He'll find some way. Some, it's find just some way. this. Wow. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> um, you know, going going forward, QAnon, I think as of the 6th of January, QAnon is now a kind of mainstream talking point, right? Like it's officially hit the point where it can be discussed on uh, mainstream media. Yeah, absolutely. But in, not in a way that's like, we don't know what this is. Let's just not talk about right. it. But before that, I mean, it seems like it took forever for mainstream media to catch up with the idea or even take it seriously, it the idea laughable, of yeah. QAnon, even though we've had like serious breadcrumbs leading up to this point. We've had a like mafia boss killed by a QAnon believer. We've had the guy at the Hoover Dam who like had a standoff. Right. Uh, like, do you think that uh, the lack of actual like coverage of this phenomenon actually led to its growth or it's like rapid growth or, you know, this fermentation up to this point. And then of course the inverse of that is now that it's being talked about, is that not, yeah. Will it shrink or will it, you know, expand it? Yeah. Who knows? I mean, yeah. I mean, I think part, something that sort of gives, um, sort of QAnon cover is it's ludicrousness. Like you hear it and you, what you say is okay, but nobody could possibly believe that. Okay. There's like, there's maybe a thousand people in the country who believe wacky things who are into that, but there's, there's no way this is something I should actually be concerned about. And so, and so the, the, the whole story kind of like deflects from its seriousness and from its popularity. And so as a consequence, this has just been allowed to grow like a tumor for years before it finally got to the point that it just people couldn't ignore it anymore. I mean, the thing is, is that like I'm I started this. I'm I don't have a background as a reporter. I'm not connected to any sort of news organization. I didn't have an outlet. I started with a Twitter account, and uh, because I was only one of a handful of people really tracking this thing, I was able to get an audience because it slowly dawned on people that right. this was significant and worth sort of following. And again, we're talking to Travis View from the podcast QAnon Anonymous. You mentioned the numbers. Can we get a number? How many people do you think are in this thing? How many? Because, I mean, there's four million people who truly believe the world is led by reptiles. Uh, How many people are QAnon supporters? Also, at the same time, speaking about QAnon, like Ben just said, how many people are in this? Is it even are you in it? Is it a cult? Like the shape of it is so kind of amorphous. Is it an idea that people are into? Is it a, or it do, can you even describe it as an organization? I think, yeah. How many people follow the Q? How many people would use, uh, how many people would say they're, we'll call them Q heads. <laughs> down with Q. Down with, how many people are down with the Q? That's a, I mean, that's a really tough question. I mean, there, right. there has been, there have been a handful of polls on this and they're kind of all over the place, but, but like, it's like, it, it's not outside the realm of possibility that there are like, you know, 20 million adults in the United States who, uh, to some degree, think that there's something to QAnon. Um, the, uh, right. they're, they're, uh, I mean, what sort of, of course, a a complicating factor is the fact that this isn't just a United States phenomenon. There are QAnon communities in the UK and Australia and Japan and uh, the Netherlands. Uh, So this is uh, certainly a global phenomenon. And just to be clear, when you say there are QAnon followers in like Japan and New Zealand, that means there is there's a Japanese guy that's going like Hillary Clinton is a baby eating Satanist pedophile. You're absolutely right. They're huge. They're huge fans of uh, General Flynn over the QAnon community in uh, in Japan. Yeah, he's a, a man who's committed an act of treason. <laughs> Do they have different? I mean, you mentioned uh, Clinton, but like in Japan or in New Zealand or in Australia or anywhere. Do they have different um, enemies? 
Is there a Q? Is there a Hillary Clinton in New Zealand? Is like well, or, that was my question. I mean, is Hillary Clinton Hillary Clinton there too? Just with like, like a yeah, different is, pronunciation? Is there different enemies regard? Because that is fascinating when it comes to different cultures. Do they have different ideas? Yeah, the thing is, is that is that that they they do they do um, uh, sort of sort of like accuse the sort of the I guess the more sort of liberal politicians in their country of being part of the cabal, but they also like fixate on the sort of the conspiracy theories that we talk about here in the United States. Like like um, when I was um, I was listening to there's one podcast in the Netherlands uh, from this from this Dutch rapper named Root from uh, this Dutch rapper. Uh, and he, I was, wasn't really, really able to sort of make out love what he said, uh, but I was able to make out the occasional phrase like Anthony Weiner's laptop, FBI <laughs> and satanic blood drinking cabal. Like they use those song. words, those phrases in English. Uh, so, so they still do fi- fixate a kind of like, you know, frazzle drip and Seth Rich and the kinds of like American conspiracy theories, but they sort of, they sort of like sort of plug in their own sort of national uh, politics. And I think that's what's so sad and so dangerous, because, of course, America, our main export is culture. It is it's entertainment. Mm -hmm. It's kind of, you know, how we view the world and how we project that. And a lot of people have uh, have taken a liking to our style, um, which is why we sort of have been able to dominate the world when it comes to uh, the idea of what it is to be, uh, I guess, a uh, economically stable, successful country is basically to to be America. So when it comes to where we are now. Do you think that violence we, – we've covered a lot of cults on last podcast on the left. And it seems like at the end of the day, when push comes to shove, when things are going in the wrong direction, violence is the thing that brings people together. This also happens on a national level. Rally around the flag. Have a war. If your people aren't happy, have a war. That'll make them come around and that'll make them get together and have nationalism. What's now? Is violence the only other solution because this cult, of course, that's predicated on the idea that this cult-like idea is in its waning hours. I mean, what do you, is violence the only possible outcome? Because what else could exist? I mean, I mean, this is, uh, I mean, yeah, I, I really try to like, you know, stay as optimistic a, a, as possible, but yeah, I mean, the real danger, I think, with a lot of these QAnon followers isn't like what happens when they still like, you know, stick with their uh, ideals over and over again. They still thinking that there's a plan that, that will sort of make the world as they want it to be. The real question is, what's going to happen when they stop trusting the plan, when they stop mm, believing that mm, there's going mm. to be a miracle that comes down and whisks Hillary Clinton off to Gitmo? Because they'll still believe we're, we're ruled by unimaginable, cruel monsters who deserve the the most horrible things that can happen to people but right. they'll stop believing that the calvary will come to the rescue and when that happens there's a there's a risk that they'll start taking matters into their own hands i think that that'll be a very dangerous situation you know what's so interesting also and this is why when i watched the documentary on the guy who attacked comet pizza you watch him he's filming himself driving and my heart kind of broke a little bit for him in the sense that he had two kids and his entire thing was he is going to save children. He wants to save people's That's lives. That's what's so weird, and the, yeah. And so it is fascinating if you look at it from the perspective of what they're upset about, 
Absolutely. Pedophilic cabals, <laughs> no one likes those. But why but why right. then have they focused on Q as opposed to focusing on the foster care system, the prison industrial complex, the actual entities that are tangible and human run, uh, the immigration system? Where are those kids going? Uh, why don't they focus on reforming the institutions that we have in this country that are leading to the human trafficking, that are leading to the sex trade. It seems to me like the sad thing is Q is fun. And the, the answer is actually extremely clerical and boring. We need to work on getting these things figured out. And you do that through policy and you do that through uh, understanding how these kids are getting yeah, into man, the all- arms of these pedophiles. Q to me is ironically such a smokescreen to actually solve the effing problem that they're procl- proclaiming uh, to uh, to uh, to hate, which of course we all hate, pedophiles. But we all hate it. QAnon is like a it's like an opera. But isn't whereas that the, ironic? Where the, whereas the stuff you listed is boring. But is it but is. isn't that the ultimate irony that they're actually they're losing the forest for the trees because or the trees for I don't forget, I hate I don't even know what that saying means. But they're losing focus because they're focused on an internet phenomenon as opposed to the actual thing that can be changed to help these kids that they're proclaiming to love. Yeah. I mean, well, here's the thing is like, if you, I mean, here's the thing, if you are someone who, who are, who are, is very upset to think about the, to think about child abuse and human trafficking. And you think that if I can sort of solve this problem, if you can solve this problem, that you'll become a very important sort of significant person. And I offer you sort of two solutions. Okay. Either you can sort of like understand the complex uh, issues at play in terms of like, you know, uh, power and money and politics that sort of contribute to this problem and then uh, perhaps make a donation or volunteer some of your time or perhaps vote in the right way to make some marginal improvements or slowly over time. Or alternatively, you can sit down at your computer, post a meme, and then wipe away the entire satanic ball, the great grand day of reckoning, and then everyone will, everything will be solved and you will be a grand hero and then you will be sort of a, sort of a thought leader uh, on the vanguard of the great awakening. Like which of those two solutions sounds more exciting to you. Of course, right. of course, people go for the the simple uh, sort of like one that makes them a hero rather than the sort of the, the real world's issues, which are uh, tough to deal with and kind of a bummer. You, yeah. And going, you know, going back to uh, what Ben, you were saying about, you know, there being actual child suffering and, and child abuse yeah. that can be, you know, approached in a practical way. Um, what is so frustrating to me as somebody just casually observing QAnon is the fact that so many QAnon supporters wave the banner of save the children. Uh, you know, they've actually co-opted that hashtag. I wonder how many pedophiles are hiding within this community. Well, that That's is a- one aspect of this very weird, but also like, yeah. it, I, I don't even know if the way that they've co-opted this hashtag save the children stuff, if it's cynical or if they genuinely believe it. Like, mm. I don't even yeah, what know. Do you think? I yeah, don't it, even know. What is the level of cynicism within this? Do they actually care or is this more of a... No, they think no. They honestly think they're 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 helping. I mean, like for example, during the I don't know if you remember the sort of the Wayfair conspiracy theory. Yes, they were of convinced course. that this hey, website. Hey, I was really. Was, I ordered a fucking <laughs> cabinet, and no kid came with it. And I said they should send a kid with every cabinet to put the damn thing together, and then I'll return the kid. That's why you're part of the problem. Ben. I know. 
So this conspiracy theory actually inspired a lot of QAnon followers to wind up uh, sort of calling the human trafficking hotline with tips about the issue, which is run by this this nonprofit organization called the Polaris Project. And the Polaris Project had to issue a statement asking people to stop calling about this nonsense issue because it actually made it more difficult uh, for real tips and real information about people who actually needed help. <laughs> so with they're human hurting their own to get cause. Through. Yeah. Exactly. They, they here's the thing. They they don't think about it in terms of like what. What can what can be done to actually solve the problem in the real world? They think about like, well, what can be done? Uh, what can how can the issue be solved in a way that makes me feel like a hero? And that's that's how they operate. It's very egocentric, isn't it? Yeah, I guess just like the man that they follow, Donald Trump. It's a very bizarre phenomenon. Travis View, QAnon Anonymous. Thank you so much for coming on the show and just shedding a little bit of light on this. And I, I, I don't know. I mean, what do you think? Just lastly, what's the shelf life is in your projection? You've been following this now for how long has Q been going on? It was well, before 2016, right? Before, yeah. Well, before. So the, when did Q start? The Comet Ping Pong Pizza thing was uh, 2015, 2016, I think. Yeah, yeah. The uh, yeah the 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 Comet Ping Pong shooting was actually in December of 2016, but the very first Q drop didn't didn't happen until October. October of 2017. So, oh, I mean, it's sort of like, the, sort of okay. like the, sort of the whole Pizzagate uh, kind of stuff was kind of like a predecessor to what QAnon is like. It's like the big budget sequel to Pizzagate. Right. It still didn't have the name. Okay. Okay. Yes. That now the timeline is sort of being reconstructed, you know, reconstructed in my head because it wasn't, it wasn't considered QAnon at the Pizzagate thing. It so was still the, like nascent. So what do you think, Travis uh, view? What do you think is the, uh, is the shelf life here? I mean, I mean, th- I mean, I mean, it's been running for, you know, uh, years now, and there are lots of people who've dedicated years of their life and uh, lots of hours. They've made personal sacrifices in their in their family, you know, sort of so separated sad. from their family in some yeah. cases, uh, hurt their careers. So they they are all in. It's like really it's like asking, you know, what, what was the shelf life of Scientology? You know, it, right, you right. think that perhaps, you know, it would it would go away because it's so silly or perhaps it would go away with the death of L. Ron Hubbard. But it's, it's got so much traction now that it, this is something that's probably going to be with us for like, you know, at least a generation, some capacity. And I guess my second to the, my my last, last, last question that we have here is um, when it comes to the deplatforming, what are their thoughts on that? Is this again a uh, is because I'm actually conflicted. I, I you know, I do not be- I believe that parlor i think the app is exactly like a product on the shelf of walmart and if walmart wants to take that product off their shelves they can i really don't have, but at the same time we do have to be careful of big tech and we do have to uh not give them too much power i have no problem with them kicking donald trump off of twitter for example when it comes to q there's a massive backlash on social media platforms uh, doing away with certain podcasts and doing away with certain sites and things like that what do you think is there a uh, is there an unintended consequence to deplatforming, or do you think it's better to just nip this thing in the bud and just get these platforms out of here? What are your thoughts on that? Because it is tough to 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 kind of marry the two because you want to let one a thrive in this country, but at the same time. These are private entities. At the same time, you don't want big tech to have too much power. But at the same time, these uh, things that they're promoting are hurting people. And uh, so what do you think about that? 
Yeah, obviously there there are no good uh, choices here because the problems are so deep rooted, and I think they sort of precede the sort of like how sort of big tech operates. But I, I think that of like of all the bad choices available to uh, technology companies, I would like to have sort of like recognized the fact that you know uh, that QAnon or, uh, exists as a domestic extremism threat like two years ago, in the same sense yeah. as the you know, ISIS was, and sort of okay. prevented it from from growing on their platforms as much as possible back in 2018. But, Do you think it's a too little, too late? Can you not put the genie back in the bottle? Or? Yeah, oh yeah, but the problem is, is that now that now that's grown for years, and now. That now it's become so established. Uh, so what's going to happen is that obviously this this community isn't going to go away just because they can't be on YouTube, Twitter, or Facebook anymore. They're going to go to alternate platforms like Gab, or they're going to go on uh, you know uh, chat based programs, or uh, they'll find they'll just go into Discord servers. They'll find some other way to sort of like uh, 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 communicate. And the the risk there is that uh, is that uh, even though I think this is probably for the best, and it'll it'll prevent QAnon from recruiting uh, new members quite as easily, uh, there's a risk that the current uh, QAnon community will get even more radicalized because they will sort of, number one, be sort of uh, interacting on boards where out and out white nationalists congregate. And also they'll just kind of be sort of simmering in their own paranoia and hatred even more than they were on the mainstream platforms. So, I mean, I, I'm cognizant of the dangers of like both, you know, giving big tech too, pro, uh, um, too much power and uh, uh, sort of allowing these people to be pushed onto platforms where they may get further radicalized and all, all that sucks. But uh, at the end of the day, this is the, the, the the alternative of just allowing it to to fester even more uh, is just is just uh, it would be yeah. even worse. These are the uh, conundrums that we are living in. These are future conundrums we are currently dealing with in modern times, which is interesting to say the least. Travis View, QAnon Anonymous. If you want to learn more about Q, check out this podcast. As you have heard, Travis has a great voice, and he's uh, very good at what he does. And Travis, thank you so much for being on the show, man, and thanks for sharing with our audience your thoughts. And thank you for putting um, so much research and so much time into this, because it's not always fun. And I would assume we talk about how people who get into Q might ruin their relationships. Also, people who follow Q and study Q for anthropological, sociological reasons might have some troubles in their relationships, too. Well, so. and I, it's, it's, I feel like it's also it's a bit sad that I had to go search like kind of, you know, a podcast that to, to actually get information about this as opposed to, I don't know, the news. Why like, would they? They're all part of it, Travis. So I, I do I do want to uh, say I really appreciate you, yeah, doing the show because it uh, it felt like, oh, this is somebody who can actually help me when nobody else wants to talk about this for some reason. So thank you so much. Yeah, yeah. Pleasure being here. Thanks for having me, uh, Travis and Ben. Okay, there it was. Travis View. Uh, thank you so much for coming on the show, Travis. Another Travis in my life. God knows. I didn't know there were so many Travises. Yeah, I don't really like it. There's so many Travises in my life. It's it's uh, very bizarre, but all of them wonderful in their own unique That show is so interesting, ways. though, because it really, it is, it was very difficult. You know, the podcast they, QAnon Anonymous. QAnon Anonymous. Yeah. You know, it was weirdly difficult to find people talking about QAnon with any kind of like at, at length and uh, taking it serious as seriously as they did. And it's hard to find people who aren't in it. Exactly. Like you have to yeah. find someone studying That's it that, that are not in it. That's the problem with me, like, quote unquote, researching this stuff is that um, a lot of times it's like hard to keep up with the brains of the people that are involved in this. I don't really understand sometimes what I am reading. Yeah, <laughs> no, I, I understand. And, I, and then uh, mix mix that with people who are kind of lurking as well. 
po- like pretending to be QAnon adherents, but also well, making fun of them. Like, actually, there's such a weird mix in, of people. In Travis, this. Travis read something to me before the show that you read that now because I don't know if this is. So this is. A, I don't know the, if this is real this is a, or not. Well, this is a very, great. This is a great example no, of this. Is this is from Eight Coon? Yeah. So this is okay. a post on Eight Coon, which is we're okay. So I just I'm so sorry. I'm so ignorant. So it was Four Chan. Then it was 8chan. Was 8chan shut down and now it's 8kun? Like, what's honestly, happening? Honestly, this, we should have asked Travis okay, B about, okay, about okay. The, right. the permutations of, right. of all of this. I will never understand where it goes. But, but right. um, it, it's hard to sort of look at some of these posts and read uh, true intent and like, is this a cynical joke? Because or is this it, seems... Because it seems so hilariously stupid. But, but then when you realize... I've had these conversations at bars where you kind of laugh when someone says something, and then about two sentences later, you're like, oh, oh they're, serious. they're serious. This is so weird. Now, and then, I, I and am... then you have to flip your brain from like, that's not going to be a friend of mine, but I'm going to sit here and just... Listen to this insanity just to get some insight. And I'm leaning towards joke on this one, but it's just such a good example of like, oh, sometimes I can't tell what is supposed to be a joke and what is the real sort of of thought process they're having. Absolutely. So here we go. Uh, this This was posted January 13th of this year. Joe Biden has been arrested. The deep state is in disarray and has struck a deal with the Trump administration. Oh, there will be an experimental surgery that will exchange the faces <laughs> of Joe Biden and Donald Trump. So when you watch Biden's inauguration, air quotes, air quotes, you will really be watching Trump being sworn in for a second term. Oh, and when you are watching the Trump trials, quote unquote, <laughs> that is really Biden paying for his crimes. But what about all the fat? Because nope. Joe Biden is so much less fat. <laughs> that really worked. In, that really worked in John Travolta, and Nick Cage's favor in Face Off. They were kind of like similar, similar body yeah. shapes. I think they cast it that way. <laughs> uh, also, when Trump, as Biden, stammers or slurs or stutters uh, his words, that's because Trump is still still learning to duplicate his speech patterns. <laughs> so this this right. also goes to assume you know like uh, in this. You know, in this version of the world, Trump is also like a born identity type spy who is he like taps on his throat chip in his neck and he's like, how do I get this thing to work? Hey, man, that's what they freaking think. They think he was working, working uh, against the pedophile cabal to have a 25 year friendship with Jeffrey Epstein. Yeah. And then it's and then he has Q. He could literally have his own Q, his own James Bond Q, uh, you know, giving him his little microchip uh, uh, things. Well, Hang in there, everyone. We're going to continue to get through this together by talking our way through it, because that's the only way we can do this. <laughs> and uh, uh, hopefully, hopefully things get better. And another thing, I, uh, something that I was about to ask in the Travis View interview was they made a good point in like in, in helping to explain this Q phenomenon. They compare it to the satanic panic. Sure. Uh, of, of the course. 80s. Uh, of the and, early 90s as well, yeah. Uh, and like the McMartin preschool thing where, you know, there was a rumor started that somebody was a pedophile in a daycare center. That rumor then exploded to them doing sort of ritualistic satanic practices at the daycare. And that and was then, mainstream. That was 2020 would cover that. 60 yeah. Minutes would cover that. That was mainstream stuff. Of course, West Memphis 3, when we talked exactly, about Damien yeah. Eccles and the crew, they got spun up and caught up all into well, it. And so there is this kind of like history repeating itself wave thing that's happening although this is so much different so much uh than those like honestly kind of antiquated and quaint versions of a panic because they didn't have the internet to throw gasoline or under the fire and again if they were right if there was a massive cabal of child 
predators and pedophiles running the country and running the world, I would be there and I would be on the front lines with them. I'm sure there are some pedophiles in power, and I think those people should be arrested. I would say the vast majority of people in power are not pedophiles. And there's not enough pedophiles to make it a full cabal. But if you do want to arrest pedophiles, I have no problem with that. That has nothing to do with Q. So Also, anyway. we seem to um, like coexist with some of the worst people on the planet. You know, like Kevin Spacey. Every year now, we get to look forward to a new Kevin Spacey Christmas video. Yeah, I like, do kind of look forward to him. Isn't it weird? Why are you dragging that guy? Like, you know, why aren't you tar and feathering that guy? You have an actual pedophile, like sex offender. Like, and then nobody is stopping him well, from. We're all we're all, uh, we're all victims of Kevin Spacey, in a way, aren't we? He he stripped. What do you mean by that? He stripped season five of House of Cards from me. I almost and, got uh, because fu- he was he was fired, and um, I couldn't I could no longer watch it because it was just too jarring of a change. I love I love uh, Robin Wright, but it just was non sequitur, so it kind yeah. of broke off the entire series. So I'm a victim too. I am kind of a victim too because uh, <laughs> when the first season of House of Cards came out. I was so into it. I loved that show. That I stayed up till five in the morning watching the entire first season. I binged it too. And then I was late to work the next day and I almost got fired. I got reprimanded and I got, uh, I swear, basically an ultimatum that if I ever watch another Kevin Spacey vehicle <laughs> till five in the morning. So thank you, Kevin Spacey. I almost Thanks, got fired Kevin. from, I almost got fired from the liquor store that I was working at. Oh, man. <laughs> All right, everyone. Hope you're doing okay out there. Uh, we are going to be seeing you down the road, second half of 2021, and uh, we got some fun dates we're going to be announcing, and knock on all the wood in the world, I think this, hopefully, hopefully this rollout can happen, and uh, we can get everyone vaccinated, everyone's safe, and uh, hug and see each other once again. Okay, everyone, hail yourselves, we'll talk to you soon. This show is made possible by listeners like you. Thanks to our ad sponsors. You can support our shows by supporting them. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to lastpodcastnetwork.com. Want the same expert advice you get from the pros in the store while shopping online at DiscountTire.com? Meet Treadwell, your personal online tire guide that matches you with the perfect tire for your vehicle. Get your best match in one minute or less with Treadwell by Discount Tire. Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley with premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more, all built to last. No matter how many spills, scuffs, or pet-related mishaps come its way, the leather collection at Ashley is made with the durability you need for the whole family. Shop the new leather collection at Ashley and find chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas at $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home.